Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender. First Commonwealth Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome into DC On Screen, a show about the DC Universe properties being brought to film and television. I am your host, David C. Robertson. This, as always, my co-host, Jason Goss. Hiya. We are a spoiler-filled show. Just want to remind you guys of that. If it has been released, it is fair game to discuss. Mm-hmm. Uh, up it's also front, technically qualifies as a spoiler about our show. It is. That's meta. <laughs> is it a pronounced meta? I'd like to do it differently sometimes. <laughs> Okay, That's a, a meta joke about the word meta. Mm. So, I've been super busy this week, guys, um, mm-hmm. or last couple weeks, but I talked about this earlier. Uh, next time, the comic book prediction podcast, I was in two separate episodes. They are both online now. One is for Batman the Killing Joke. It's a review. It's actually just me defending the movie against Scott Madison, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I got in some digs, but still. I mean, no and offense, we, Scott, but I stand by Dave on principle. And uh, we, <laughs> then in another episode, we gushed about Star Trek Beyond for like an hour. Ah, okay. Um, I don't blame then you. Then I was on Sean Ray's <laughs> Me and you almost Sean did Ray's that, podcast. and I don't have nearly enough Star Trek cred to gush about it for an hour, but I thought it was a great, like yeah. a great movie. <laughs> then I was on Sean Ray's podcast, uh, Sean Ray of the Cosmic Potato Network. Um, we run his show, The Prime Direction, which is a show that uh, where he interviews someone and they talk about the impact Star Trek has had on their life. So I did an episode of that, and he posted it yesterday. So that is up, and you can find all of those things on DCOnScreen.com. Um, they're not going to show up in our feed if you subscribe on iTunes, but if you pop over to DCOnScreen.com, you'll find them. If you're interested, if you're not already sick of hearing me talk about Star Trek enough on this show, there you go. In order, um, people are sick of hearing me talk about Futurama. Then probably us talk about Firefly. <laughs> me talk about Buffy and Star Trek. You talk about Buffy. Me agree with you mostly on Buffy. <laughs> and then after that, I think it kicks down to like, you're probably fourth on the list as far as annoying. <laughs> All right. Uh, hope so. So um, real quick, I do want to remind you guys, we are doing a promotion, a new promotion. Give us five-star rating and review on iTunes, and you will be entered into a contest for every ten five-star reviews we receive on iTunes. We'll randomly select one of the listeners to win a trade paperback or Blu-ray, DVD, whichever, for $15 or less. Now, if you're not in the United States, we will honor it, but you have to let us know that you wrote a review because it doesn't show up on our iTunes store. Yeah. Um, And there are, like, a lot of countries to check every day, and I'm not doing that. Yeah, it's it's (laughs) logistically impossible for us. I apologize. And we already have five reviews, and we're going to go into those later in the show. Going strong. What we refer to as the Bat Wieners Mm -hmm. segment. Um, We'll (laughs) we'll talk about that there. Um, And still not apologize for that phrase. And still not apologize at all. We're not mm. sorry. No. Um, one more thing before jumping in. We are sponsored by Loot Crate. Loot Crate, if you don't know, monthly subscription box service for Epic Geek and Gamer items and pop culture gear. Less than $20 a month. You get six to eight items. Licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, one-of-a-kind items, and more. You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And then you're screwed. Yeah. So lo- lootcrate.com forward slash... 
giant size team up and enter code giant size team up to save uh what is it three dollars off of any new subscription i believe it yeah this month is anti-hero month so god you gotta get dc comic stuff probably some suicide squad stuff archer dark horse kill bill man you got a lot of stuff going on there so check that out and we're gonna jump into some some news right the hell now Mm -hmm. so how about that batman arkham vr trailer (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I I still want the full flesh like trailer of more footage of the game because there's probably and it, yeah, it's like two minutes of footage and there's about ten seconds of the game. Yeah, it's like two minutes of footage, but it's all of people like who tried it out and are looking absolutely beside themselves because they can't live in this world forever. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a mockery, frankly, of our own personal existence. <laughs> but I look forward to that mockery. The, the bit that got me was the guy talking about, like, as I put on the helmet, I could see, like, Batman. I'm looking oh, in the yeah. mirror, and I'm watching me put on the mask. Yeah. And I was like, oh. It's like, man. Yeah, that's pretty that's great. awesome. I mean, I, w- I want to play the hell out of that thing. I just, I'm also, oh, come on. Come on, guys. Get us some footage. Get us some footage. <laughs> it comes out in, like, two months. Yeah. Isn't it October 16? Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't even look. I'm a terrible host. Maybe it, was, <laughs> maybe it was October 17, and I can I can wait for more. Anyway, looks fun as hell. Yeah, it does. So uh, you've probably heard a lot about this, but uh, super sorry, bleh, super Suicide Squad. <laughs> um, looks like their earnings fell 67 percent during their second weekend. Um, it did remain number one, but it was against you know Sausage Party. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so it just defaulted. Now, uh, Adam Chitwood at Collider, he did prepare something for us. Uh, it was a chart that compared Suicide Squad with a few of the other movies, um, a few other uh, superhero movies, to see what their drop off was. Uh, Batman v Superman had a 69% drop off in the second weekend. Mm-hmm. The new Fantastic Four had a 68% drop off. Suicide Squad had 67. Man of Steel had 64. Amazing Spider-Man 2 had 61. Avengers Age of Ultron had 59. Civil War had 59. Ant-Man had 56. And Winter Soldier had 56. So not terribly different. Like okay, still uh, kind of bad. That's but not literally we're talking different. about. On the outside, a 10% difference between some of the most hailed and some of the most berated films that have come out. Mm-hmm. You're going to drop 56% on your second weekend. Sorry, brother. Mm-hmm. It's happening. Oh, he also had uh, Guardians of the Galaxy listed here, 55%, and Iron Man, 48%. Even, so, all right, so well, Iron Man at 48 is is coming in right now as the leader, and that's still only about 14 mm-hmm. points off from the average mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. supposedly bad films. Um I mean, granted, ten or thirteen points. I, I mean, I, yeah, that's that's a real thing. But making the headline, it yeah. dropped sixty-seven <laughs> percent. I might as well reread that as everyone thought it was worth seeing on the first weekend. Yeah. Uh, so Suicide Squad topped the foreign box office with fifty-eight point seven million from fifteen thousand six hundred screens, uh, sixty-two territories uh, globally. It's made four hundred sixty-five point four million. Oh no. These are not shabby <laughs> figures. No, it's not. No one's. It's not. No one's like selling their stock in Warner Brothers right now, based on the second weekend films. Yeah. Now, I mean, you know, I don't even know if they're a public company. Saying, I really don't. Yeah. Forgive my um, fiscal ignorance. So it, lo- it looks like what we talked about last week, Suicide Squad, is not going to be released in China. Um, they did try to retitle it Task Force X to appease the Chinese government, but apparently that didn't work. 
Um, China does have uh, does like to censor stories with negative outlooks on life. They don't like supernatural movies. So apparently, they do release their their uh, they put out their release calendar like two months in advance. Mm-hmm. And WB hasn't gotten any word that the film is going to be on the slate. Mm. So yeah, it it looks like it's been axed, man. It looks like it's gone. Oh well, hey, which is going to take like a hundred million away from oh, the it's gross. It, it hurts. It hurts, but um. Mm-hmm. That'll just teach them something about retitling their movies. <laughs> why? They don't like the word suicide in the title. Yeah, but that's why they changed it to Task Force X. But that wasn't China. enough after they had already after after they were already pitched it. Well, no. You just title it like so what? Hope Team X when you first do it, and this shit's on the it's it's being played in China right now or two months from now. Yeah, I don't think it would have been. Having seen the movie, if they actually looked at the movie at all, they would be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> as far as supernatural like goes, supernatural I, stories. I I feel like Harry Potter probably made it into China. You know, I don't know. The numbers on that are, are so grand that I'm I I would be willing to bet it just made so much I damn money. I wouldn't know. I I, I, I look it up in the background while, um, you're, while you're going. Fair enough. So last week I talked about it briefly because it seemed like one of those things that could just be a complete and utter lie. Um, looks like it's probably true now. Um. <laughs> There was a uh, an article by the Hollywood Reporter that uh, there was a lot of a lot of ruckus behind the scenes on Suicide Squad. Um, yeah, and they talked about how Kevin Sujihara, the the CEO, you know, announced Suicide Squad in like October of 2014, and they referred to it as a sprint from the start to meet the August tw- uh, 2016 release date. Um, they said that Ayer wrote the script in like six weeks, yeah. and. Um, that there were like multiple cuts and that they brought in the company that did the Bohemian Rhapsody trailer, um, to help at the end trailer park to come in and reshoot. I mean, sorry, re-edit the movie. And basically that there were a couple of different versions of the movie and then they compromised and that there was when the, the compromising points didn't really meet with what they had shot. They actually went back and shot more for humor looks like that's all kind of true now um so it, it it might not be completely but it looks like that that was a thing um the final editor was uh michael tronic now uh, instead of john gilroy who was credited and um they say that a lot of panic and ego was there <laughs> in trying to address the the tonal issues uh, that Ayer fired his longtime agent. He hired a new one, and then decided to go back to his old one a day later. They do stress that he was under a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg Silverman, um, production president at Warner's, said this was an amazing experience. We did a lot of experimentation and collaboration along the way, but we were both very proud of the result. This is a David Ayer film, and Warner's is proud to present it. Um, THR says that one insider told them that the movie's got to do seven hundred fifty million, eight hundred million even uh to break even if they uh get anywhere close to that they'll consider it a win which is a ridiculous amount of money to expect to consider something Uh, a win even after that yeah yeah we're only Um, about 200 million off our goal pop some champagne (laughs) i'm looking at a couple numbers and in the top 25 it does look like it will cost them an average of 80 ish Maybe a little higher if it mm-hmm. take away from some of the positive skewing. An average of eighty million ish, it'll it'll cost them not open in China. But we're talking uh, Avengers, The Mermaid, Captain America, Transformers, uh, Iron Man three, Warcraft for God's sake, X Men Apocalypse, mm-hmm. Transformers again, Batman. How the Super- how the hell did Warcraft get over there? Something called Dragon Blade. I, I'm sorry, Supernatural is is not the problem here. <laughs> 
The Hobbit is number thirty-four. Fantasy. Yeah, maybe if it, it, maybe I don't know. That's weird. There's, it's just that that can't be. There's some nuance I'm not, I'm not getting. Something called Dragon yeah. Blade feels very sorcerish. <laughs> but Charles Roven, one just called uh, Devil and Angel. Anyway, gosh. well, all I know is what I've read, man. I, I, understand. I understand. Charles Roven, uh, EP for Suicide Squad, uh, did confirm that. He said, yes, there were a couple of different cuts of the movie, but they all really had to do with finding the final shape of the movie. I've been doing this for a long time, and it's not the first time something like this has happened. And it, uh, and it won't be the last. Did I say last time? won't be the first time, and it won't be the last. No, we know what you're going uh, for. I don't know what I said. Um, this happens a lot. He says, uh, so sometimes... In order to get the work done, you really just have to bring on more people and spend really long days and nights getting work done to get it ready, in reference to bringing on more people to re-edit the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, in talking about Leto's Joker scenes being cut out, he says uh, David Ayer sh- shoots a tremendous amount of footage, and when it co- and it comes to things having to do with the Joker, Jared does many takes, and all the takes are very, very different, and sometimes the scenes can go on for a very long time, and sometimes the scenes can be, when you're more on page, tighter, etc. Sometimes those impromptu scenes are fantastic, sometimes they're not. That's all part of the process. What you don't want to do is you don't want to limit the process. So That sounds right, though. I mean, yeah, I mean, to some extent, you want to I keep do, yes and going during you know shooting, right? Yeah, I mean, you would think you know that Hollywood Reporter article talked a lot about uh, I don't know, just a whole lot of pressure on David Ayer. So oh, I don't doubt and, you it. Know, I don't know. Oh, sure, yeah, sure. I mean, he even said so uh, a few months ago in an interview. But I, it, Batman and Superman had and Wonder Woman had somehow failed, and he had a, mm. a squad full of heathens to to somehow make this work. Like. <laughs> So uh, anyway, it all it, that is all you know pretty standard based on everything I've heard about movies in general, like big tentpole movies in general. No, oh, so. especially the tentpoles. Yeah, I mean you you just keep working on it till till you think it's there. Mm. And yes, that means a lot of sleepless nights for the people that that actually put these things on. Sure. Hell, they're and they're doing better than people who who make games. Oh my God, read some of the horror stories about the people who actually put out games. Oh. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So uh, Joel Kinnaman, uh, Rick Flagg, uh, talks here about negative reviews for Suicide Squad. He says he read a couple of the reviews but uh, didn't enjoy reading them, so he stopped. <laughs> he says they were not kind. It's well summed up. Um, he says you always hope to get good reviews. It's always nicer when people say nice things about you. But on a film like Suicide Squad, it really only has an ambition to entertain. There's no big political aspirations about the film, which I kind of disagree with, but okay. It doesn't take itself that seriously. The only way it takes itself seriously is about is in portraying these characters in an honest way. I really think we did that, and I'm proud of my work and everyone else's work in that film too. So on a film like this, that has those kinds of ambitions, it becomes even more important what the fans think. We made this film for the fans. I can't remember ever seeing a bigger disparity between reviewers and fans' response to a film. It really was night and day. We've just been showered with love and appreciation for this, so it's pretty been pretty phenomenal. Sure, the film is not perfect, but the kind of vitriol that it got, it sure as hell didn't deserve that. I think it actually might have been good for the film. Now people don't have too high expectations for it. It reset that a little bit. And people went to the theaters and just got entertained by what they saw. So I was really happy with how that whole thing turned out. Yeah, I agree with them on that's a lot a, of those points. That's a nice way to look at it, yeah. even if it is kind of wrong. No, it's, it is it is right. I mean, there are people that will <laughs> you know, still think, ah, the reviews are bad, I'm not going to waste my time on that. And it's bad timing because, I, I mean, 
if if you're worried about the reviews, like I mean, Star Trek got good reviews. So if you just got one movie in you, mm-hmm. yeah, it's gonna it's gonna siphon some of your sales off. But yep. as far as enjoyment goes, I completely agree with him on that. It, the The film sure. got hyped beyond repair. It mm-hmm. and I, I said this before. It is just a movie after all, a perfectly serviceable mm-hmm. one, but just a movie. Yeah, I do. And uh, we haven't said this before, but have you heard anything say anyone say anything about his performance? Because I haven't heard anything but good things about his performance, or at least not hearing it mentioned. Yeah, I haven't heard really anyone talk about Joel Kinnaman at all. Not one person has gone and fuck Rick Flag. That hasn't happened. <laughs> they also haven't said Rick Flag was great. <laughs> I mean, it, I think if it falls right in the middle on a on an ensemble cast, isn't that kind of you know good job, son? Like. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, <laughs> it's a little like Bill McNeil in uh, News Radio when he was called <laughs> adequate in that in that review uh-huh. <laughs> and started acting like it was like the greatest compliment ever. Ah, uh, yes. He's <laughs> like, "You're just jealous of my adequacy." It's not a word. It is now. It is now. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, answering the question of why Slipknot was <laughs> his backstory was cut out of the movie, Ayer explains. Yeah, we shot a backstory, but after a point it became overloaded, you know? So you have to cull and pick and choose your battles, and Slipknot got his head blown off pretty quick. So, you know, I made a commitment early on to not try to create some kind of misdirect. Because when you have that many characters, every frame of real estate is priceless. And I didn't want to invest in that real estate to create some misdirect, because after opening night, everyone knows he dies anyway. (laughs) I mean, is it terrible that I kind of completely agree with that? By Thursday at like eleven o'clock, we all knew for sure. I mean, we all knew for sure before. Right. We were all we, did. we all had a ninety-eight and a half percent certainty going in. Like the only reason no. it wasn't a hundred percent certainty was because we thought, well, what if there's a misdirect? Yeah. Ayer was then he was asked about these previous interview interviews where Adam Beach um, said that he was caught. The reason he went to Bell Rev was because he was caught strangling Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was cute. <laughs> And uh, David Ayer says, you know, that might be more about his sort of personal journey to get into the character more than anything. <laughs> but I guess it does make sense if it's a rope guy. Right. I can see where he would make those connections. Very roughly, uh, it's like, I like, totally didn't authorize that, but I dig it. I mean, that that works. Uh, like, that's his own weird thing. I don't know anything about it. So if you want to quote him on that, but no. Got nothing against it, I guess, in theory. But... <laughs> so there was a there's a report out there that Jai Courtney ran around naked on set. I am willing to believe that on this set. Um, Joel Kinnaman was, said one of his fondest memories <laughs> for the movie was, he says, my favorite was when David Ayer walked into Jai Courtney's trailer and me and Jay Hernandez were in there. Jai was in the shower and he came out with a towel around him. David was like, oh shit. Jai dropped the towel and Jay said, sick him, boy. <laughs> so David ran out what else and Jai say? chased him around. <laughs> Jai chased him around the, the studio parking lot uh, <laughs> as he puts it butt naked Terminator style. There you go. David David ran for his life, but he got, but he got away. It's... An on-set game called Escape the Snake. Yeah. Now, I mean, speaking of Escape the Snake... Hide and Snake? There's another report. Uh, actress Adrienne Bellamar, who apparently had a role as a stripper in the movie and was actually ultimately cut from the film, mm. um, claims that Jared Leto sexually harassed her on the set. 
she said that he would uh, often rub his crotch outside of his pants and growl at her before the director called action. <laughs> um, she says he wasn't trying to hide it or anything. He did it every time he walked past me. <laughs> it feels really in character, but it's probably wrong it, to do before you actually say action, Jared. Yeah. Um, like, I get what you're going for there, but... Yeah, and I don't want to say, like, oh, um, a little bit of class to the guy that's trying to method act freaking Joker. Yeah, she says, uh, well, okay, there was apparently in the film... And <laughs> but a cut avoid scene. extra legal circumstances, for God's yeah. sake. <laughs> in a cut scene, uh, he was supposed to have called her his muse. Ah, okay. Um, she says she laughed off the, the him doing it several times. She laughed it off, but it got weird after a while. She says, I'm not a prude, I'm easygoing, but it was creepy. It took me completely off guard. Um, she said he also belittled several extras... <laughs> <laughs> telling them they should feel lucky to be in his presence. Um, that, again, feels right for the character. Yeah, and she says that. She does say that Dick that moved to the actual you know, humans aware. around you. Right. She just says that he, she still think he, thinks he crossed the line and crossed it plenty of times. Probably did. Even though she's like, I have a great deal of respect for method acting, but you can't hide behind your craft. You have to be respectful of your fellow cast and crew. Um but then she did say, you know, as disappointed as I am with my scene, that my scene with the Joker was not included in the final cut. My heart truly goes out to Jared Leto, whose devotion to his character was so obvious on set it literally freaked me out. It must be devastating to watch your hard work and dedication whittled down to just 15 minutes of screen time. With that being said, working opposite of Mr. Leto was an opportunity of a lifetime, and I'm appreciative to have had the chance to learn from such an inspirational talent. Yeah. Representatives for Leto have said that there is absolutely no truth to her allegations. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was really hoping he'd come out and go, "Yeah, I kind of did that. Sorry, I was, uh, I, I went a little far." Right? Not, no idea what she's talking about. I don't remember anything. I was the Joker the whole time. <laughs> ask me, ne like, ex ask me next time I'm on set as the Joker if I remember that. We'll talk then. <laughs> Your Honor, my client was not present during mm -hmm. the time. The client claims the allegations, uh, her allegations took place. What do you mean? He was standing right there. We've got footage of him. Your Honor, my client was not present. My client was uh, only partially taking point, or part in reality at the time. He, uh, <laughs> in effect, was the Joker. Now, if you'd like to press charges against the Joker, I can see if right. I can find him for you. But unless they have a Suicide Squad 2, you may not be able to press charges. Please stop having your client hit everything with that stick. What is he doing? He's playing a blind man in his next film, Your Honor. Yes. <laughs> That's why he's got the sunglasses and he's got the stick. And What about the dog? <laughs> he just likes the dog, really. <laughs> so um, David Ayer explained uh, some stuff about Joker's damaged tat and his grill. Mm -hmm. um, he says, this is sort of my personal thing and maybe less about a larger co connection, but Joker killed Robin. And ba bleh, Batman basically smashed his teeth out and locks him up in Arkham Asylum. It's in the asylum where Joker would have done the damaged tattoo as a message to Batman saying, You've damaged me. I was so beautiful before, and now you've destroyed my face. That's where the grill comes from. <laughs> I, I was really happy with that. I thought it was interesting, but I would have rather have seen it. Like, Oh, I'd have rather have seen it, but I, I didn't want to see it necessarily in this movie because, like so many things, um, it would have messed with the plot. Like, I would have been... As soon as they showed me that, I would have wanted a, you know, death in the family plot. I, fuck the Suicide Squad at that point. I, I kind of disagree. I would have been and super distracted maybe, for the rest of the film. Like, I think if we had seen uh, J.K. Simmons as Gordon, mm -hmm. maybe a Harvey Bullock... Just hear glint, hear like snippets of what happened, 
as they're wheeling in don't make Harley a part of the killing, but Batman having smashed Joker's teeth in that's 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 one of the big like you know uh that's one of the big moments that makes her feel bad for him and sorry for him makes him fall for her. oh yeah makes the, her fall for her. one of the moments where she uh yeah her her yeah I know what you mean and that would have been fine yeah. and you if you try to make it a Harley scene that could work. But it would be mm-hmm. so interesting as a Joker Batman scene, and there'd have been so much like, mm-hmm. "Holy shit, we, that's how Robin went out!" Like, so the confirmation of that alone would have been so distracting in the course of that movie that you'd have had to make Joker part of the climax of the movie. And if you did that, you've you've really got to add another twenty, thirty minutes worth of movie to to mm-hmm. for me to feel like I got enough Joker out of it. And I already don't feel like I got enough Joker about out of it. I'd have been okay with a three hour cut of this film. I would have been perfectly <laughs> happy with a three hour cut of this film. But it seemed like you either had to do all of it or none of it. Like, if you gave me two more minutes where that scene happened, I would be wanting other things. And and that's just part of how this, this cookie was going to crumble. It's an ensemble cast. You included somebody as big as a Joker. You made him basically a supporting character. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, really, guest star hardly hardly covers it. Um, star seems like too big a word for his, his actual film presence in this thing. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I can kind of get by the guy that said false advertising. Yeah. Yeah, I think he should have been. Uh, he should have like cracked some deal with Enchantress. Like he, like Joker should have actually been revealed to be like the big bad of the movie. Like pulling the strings of of Succubus and Incubus. No oh, hell, I mean, have him crack some deal with uh, Amanda Waller. That's one of the reasons he's able to break in and get Harley afterward. She can keep the rest of the mm-hmm. team, and he'll stop harassing her. And uh, if she'll just give up this one person, it would be great if like it'd be hard to do that with the wall uh, though. You'd think she'd just shoot him in the head, right? <laughs> yeah. No, nah, no, nah, that wouldn't happen. But if he was somehow pulling, trying to like, he'd made a deal with uh, with uh, Succubus, you know, mm-hmm. and then shit goes awry. She's like, "You fool!" And they're clearly more powerful than Joker. And like, he just laughs his ass off when he realizes the world is going to end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that feels, you know, Jokerish. Him laughing at the fact that oh, I may have gone too far this time, and thinking it's hilarious. <laughs> yep. Oh, finally did it. Anyway. Crap. Well, there's my punchline, you know? Um, so speaking of Joker, uh, Jared Leto says he wants the Joker to mess with Superman. Of course. Um, IGN asked him uh, what his Joker would think of Superman, to which he replied, Ah, who? That would probably be his answer. Super who? Superboy? He sounds cute. Tights? A cape? Um, <laughs> he says Superman seems like a lot of fun, though, for the Joker. He really would. The he Joker would call Superman, Superman adorable. That's one of the words he would use, I think. Yeah, he said the Joker Superman would be interesting to see on screen because Superman's so stoic and morally centered. I think that the Joker would really enjoy that. Superman is just the classic hero and the Joker opposite any classic hero would be really interesting. Yes, please give me, give me now any mm-hmm. of that. I want Joker versus the freaking Justice League for God's sake. Like, <laughs> I, And it's not even that I'm that in love with Jared Leto's Joker. It's just that I got to see just enough of him that it's an absolute freaking tease. Like, it's possible that if you showed me five more minutes of this guy, I'd think, you know what? It's too far. I don't like it. It's possible. I don't know. But for now, it's just enough that I I want I want the other half of that sandwich, man. Yeah. Ezra Miller is in the news uh, all over the place, actually. But here he's discussing how Justice League uh, 
podcast deal with squad haters, he says, you needn't look any further than the Suicide Squad director and cast response to the negative reviews to feel how negative critiques motivate us. Ultimately, we can't base anything on the critical response. As artists, we aim to please absolutely everybody with our work, but we also know that we have to keep expressing ourselves as best as we can express ourselves. Um, it's like that T.I. song, Motivation. Uh, he also okay. says that his scene in Suicide Squad, uh, he says saying that Zach shot it would be not would not be accurate. It was very much a collaborative effort that was supervised by DC. So they just put everybody in the room and said, "Make this work." It's only about ten seconds of footage. You can handle that, right? I reckon. And it's not a lot of footage, but how much fun was that? It was awesome. I loved it. I want some more. Uh-huh. Uh, Suicide Squad. The soundtrack is at number one. Don't doubt it. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. Uh, it's on track to sell 170,000 albums in its debut week. Number one position on the iTunes charts in 63 countries. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. I mean, that's... All right. Uh, there's more talk of a Harley Quinn movie. Uh, Jim Jim Lee was talking to Vulture and said, I refer to Harley as the fourth pillar in our publishing line behind Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. <laughs> she was apparently the most popular Halloween costume in the United States in 2015. Don't doubt uh, it. Margot Robbie, Rob, as far as the movie goes, Margot Robbie says, I'm trying to make that happen. Not for anything specifically, but just something. There's so much more to do. I mean, everyone so. had a great time with her. I, it, mm-hmm. If they're going to throw money at anything, it may not be Suicide Squad 2, but I'll bet you get her first. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Gal Gadot uh, uploaded a video that was created by uh, at dwonder underscore love, and uh, it's a video of her singing. It's a video of Gal Gadot singing. She's actually pretty damn good, honestly. Nice. Um, hmm? Nice. Didn't know about that. Yeah, and uh, it's a, there are pictures of uh, she and the other Justice League members playing. They've apparently formed a little band um, <laughs> behind the scenes. Of course. And uh, she says, uh, maybe Pride of Gypsies, Ezra Miller, Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, and Ray Sifyar should start working on an album, Any Ideas for Names. There were almost a thousand comments just talking to her about her singing and suggesting names. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of glanced around and I, I saw three that made me laugh. Um, Waiting for Martians. <laughs> Dear Jean Letter. Oh, good. <laughs> and All Along the Watchtower. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, reportedly, The Flash is going to be filming in London early next year. Okay. So that's not surprising. Was it? No. <laughs> Was did you talk about this on the show, or was this just between me and you? Where you were talking about how because of Brexit, the oh London, I think it was on the show. Yeah, it, the I, Euro I think it was London has gone down so yeah. London yeah. is is cheaper than a sack of sweaty balls right now. You <laughs> you can get in out of there right. for nothing. Like even tourism within like the surrounding area has gone up. Mm-hmm. Kind of hoping it helps them. I mean, yeah, come on, well, well, like the English. Yeah. Now hang the, in there, guys. It is, Slated to be released March 16th, 2018. So, I don't know. Let's get it going. So the rap is reporting. Just have to stay alive a couple more years. Okay, cool. All right. I guess I need to start eating broccoli again. I know. Sacrifices. Damn it. Sacrifices. Uh, the rap. <laughs> the rap is reporting that Black Manta is going to be the big bad for the Aquaman film. Mm-hmm. Makes um, a ton of sense. I mean, come on. Yeah, so... In the original story, in case you don't know, Black Manta 
was a kid uh, from Baltimore. He got kidnapped and became a slave on a ship, and he was abused by the by, by his captors, you know. And then he sees Aquaman in the distance one day, and he tries to flag him down, but uh, Aquaman doesn't see him, and he swims away. So the boy grows and kills his captors and vows to seek vengeance on Aquaman for not saving his life. For being a passerby dick. Right. Now, the current version of Black Manta's story, um, which I assume they're going to go with a little more, is uh, that he's a ruthless treasure hunter who uh, seeks out mystical relics from the sea uh, and at some point encounters Aquaman and his father while searching for a relic. They battle. Uh, Aqua's, Aquaman's father has a heart attack and dies. Uh, and then Aquaman seeks vengeance for his father's death. But in pursuing Black Manta, he ends up accidentally killing his father instead, and uh, the death sets off this chain reaction that leads to a blood feud between the two characters. Um, yeah, that sounds right. It uh, it seems like one of those stories, though, that could have been settled with a healthy talk and a couple beers. Yeah. <laughs> so, Michael Jai White and Michael K. Williams from The Wire both want to play Black Manta. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. That's not an official anything. That's just no, two actors just who want to do it. A couple guys who want to so play something. I'm moving on. Yep. Um, <laughs> so we haven't heard a whole lot about this, but uh, Danny Garcia, who's a producer on Shazam, yeah. is talking about the, what's going on with that movie. It's finally time to, to, to breach that set of news, I guess. Uh, he says Shazam is to live in the same world as the other films, but we have incredible autonomy over this brand and franchise. We are working with a different team, different producers, different directors. It's a different setup. We don't feel fettered by or constrained by the successes or failures and challenges of the other project. Uh, projects that was a key component to our participation that we'd be able to control the tone and the voice and do it the way we want to we're getting script drafts in it's important to make sure we get the tone right for black adam which is Dwayne's part we don't mind taking our time we're being very careful with each act and scene to go back and layer in as much as possible yeah sounds right i but their theatrical release is april 5th 2019 and they don't have a finished script or a lead actor <laughs> I mean, they're not in too bad a shape yet. I mean, two years is where you start really panicking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where the fear sets in. Yeah. So um, That's how David Zach Ayer Snyder. ends up writing a script in six weeks. <laughs> so there's, uh, we talked about it earlier, you know, that when I was talking about Charles Roven confirming all of that stuff, that was from an article, uh, an interview uh, that he was a part of, and uh, they went, he went on to talk about this uh, with uh, another producer, and I'm just going to go ahead and get it out of the way. His name is Richard Suckle. Dick Suckle. Dick Suckle. Okay, I'm done. I completely understand why you had to get that out of your system. Mm-hmm. Just completely. My absolute condolences and congratulations even that you made it through it without that much chuckling. I didn't even chuckle. But you did chuckle when you first read it, right? I didn't actually. Oh. It was just, it was just, I was just a bird dog. I just saw it and pointed at my screen for like 10 minutes <laughs> to no one in particular. Just... That, that's happening. That is happening. That, that's, look at, oh my gosh. That's real. That's part of real life. No one made this up. That's a real thing that happened in life to a person. Okay. Yeah. So, they didn't really have a whole lot to say. But they did, uh, they did stand up for Zack Snyder in Justice League. Um. Sorry, Richard. Sorry, Richard. Yeah. They, uh, they acknowledged the, uh, the positive, mostly positive fan reaction to Suicide Squad. Mm -hmm. Then, um. 
they said it is important. Uh, sorry, it, you do need to pay attention to criticism, but you also need to stay true to your vision. Zack Snyder is a great director. Um, let's see, Ooh. he's talked about the uh, different tone in the Justice League trailer. Roven did, mm-hmm. and started explaining why we saw a lot more humor in the sneak peek. He says, I think one of the things Zach really wanted to do, because everybody knows that Zach certainly has an ability to shoot action, was to just say, hey, I could do this too. It doesn't have to be all action. These characters are going to be different once they begin to interact with each other. Yeah. So, hooray! It's like you settle in for episode <laughs> two and start really dealing with the character development. Mm-hmm. And he's pointing out something that we pointed out before. Um, no one's ever said Zack Snyder couldn't shoot action. If anything, people sometimes say his action's too action-y. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's just so much, like, oh, the, it's just grotesque, and there's so much detail, and other people are going, yeah, and? So, and what? <laughs> More? I don't understand how that's even a complaint. Like, no, we prefer well, shaky like the cam. Honest trailer for Watchmen see... said, like, oh, and he managed to turn uh, this into basically a, a Matrix film. I thought, it's, it's an okay line, but, you know, come on, guys, weak. That action was phenomenal. I would rather see Zack Snyder action. Look, man, I have a problem with his filters. I don't like how he tries to make everything look like a damn Instagram photo. I've said this You are millions well of times. stated on the record on that one. Yeah. However, got no problem with the man's action. <laughs> it looks great. I would much rather see Zack Snyder action than, you know... J.J. Abrams? What the res- Yeah, I was thinking of J.J. J. J. Abrams literally in Star Trek tw- 2009 and in Into Darkness would stand by the sidelines of, like, during action scenes and just pound the shit out of, a, out of the out camera of a to make that cam. shaky cam happen. Not even a regular camera. The steady cam that they specifically get <laughs> so that you can't shake it. He would sit there and bang it with his freaking fist. I hate shaky cam with like every inch of me. And it was one of my big issues in Civil War. So, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I like, God, well, I you say big issues. We didn't really have, again, I don't want to get painted well, as some I DC just guy. Say, we didn't really have big issues with Civil War. We had like tiny issues. <laughs> tiny, t- perfectly manageable issues. That's why I say it's one of my big issues. Oh, it's, it's like... that's, you mean as relative? Right. Okay. It was just like, ah, ah. I'm, you know, I haven't gotten Parkinson's disease yet. I'm always worried about it. I always think I probably will, but I haven't gotten it yet. So please stop making me feel like that when I'm watching a movie. Right. Oh my gosh. It's. You ever uh, do that? You ever like look down and you're like your your pinky or something is just like twitching like hell, and you're like, oh no. No. Uh, there's a side effect oh, no. of uh, high blood pressure that's uh, astigmatism, where you can't focus your eyes exactly right, which I have experienced on occasion. Um. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's what it feels like. Like you're looking at a sheet of paper, and it's like the sheet of paper is just juggling around you. You almost have to like yeah. blur your eyes to read a paragraph. Yeah, that, I do that sometimes. That's what it reminded me of personally. <laughs> um. Okay, so uh, let's talk about this open letter that one that was to Warner Brothers from quote unquote Gracie Law. That's not her name or his name, whoever's name. They claim to be a uh, an ex Warner Brothers employee. And uh, the open letter is to CEO Kevin Sujihara. So the person who wrote it was uh, very disappointed with Suicide Squad. Uh, No Holds Barred uh, just came at Sujihara uh, talking about how the way, like the the way he handled some layoffs back in 2014 and how he's running the the show 
Uh, they said uh, you in one segment, you just don't get it. It's not just DC movies. It's your whole slate. Jupiter Ascending, Get Hard, Hot Pursuit. By the way, I like to get hard. Uh, Hot Pursuit, Max, Vacation, Pan, Point Break, Fucking Pan, You Jerk. People lost their jobs and you decided Pan was a good idea. You think another Jungle Book is a good idea. Oh. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta agree on some of that. I, she's not um, wrong on a few of those. Um, but they also said, I don't think anyone was looking around doing? going, you know what the world needs now? Another Pan and Jungle Book reboot. But let's go right. dark. Um, they said, she said, what are you even doing? I wish to God you were forced to live out of a car until you made a number one movie of the year. Maybe Wonder Woman wouldn't be such a mess. Don't try to hide behind the great trailer. People inside are already confirming it's another mess. It is almost impressive how you keep rewarding the same producers and executives for making the same mistakes over and over. So this has gotten a lot of traction. Yeah. And I've seen it around. So she's not a fan of Rovin uh, and Snyder and co either, I assume? Oh, I would assume not. Because those are the, the two but, most associatable names out of the, mm-hmm. the clan she just well, described. Well, you know, we're three movies in, and a movie ago we would have said we would have had Goyer thrown into that mix as well. I, I, I abandoned Goyer a long time ago, honestly. So, yeah, so did it looks like Warner Brothers did too. I mean, as of Men of Steel, even, I was thinking, <laughs> you know what, this is Snyder's problem now. We're not. I'm not blaming Goyer for anything. I firmly believe that he had been taken off the roster after Dark Knight Rises. That he was still associated no, and no. named by a couple he, things, but I didn't really think nope, he had much effect he, on it. No, he has story credit on Batman v Superman. Yeah, I know, but I just never believed it. I, I, I know I'm... Oh, it's true. <sighs> I just never quite believed it. I'm happy to be wrong, <laughs> like so many things, but I, I just, I've always thought that he was just a name uh, that was on there because he helped crack a few stories early on, so they had to give him story by credit. And Maybe. really, honest to I mean, God, sure it was you can get story by credit by like sent, turning a cocktail napkin around with a few jotted down ideas. <laughs> story by is not that As hard to come by. Be. You can literally sit around with a few drinks and crack a story with somebody. And if the other person remembers it the next day, you might be eligible for story by. Right. Which is why I, you know, I mean, he might his contribution to BVS might have been. I think you should have Batman and Superman fight. And that's how you introduce Batman. Uh. That could be it. <laughs> I just hang out at bars, writing on napkins, hoping the person across from me is a movie producer. Right. I, <laughs> Instead, you just keep getting arrested for littering. Well, you know, David Goyer came out and said way before the movie, he said, "Batman versus Superman is where you go when you admit to yourself that there you have no more story ideas." <laughs> so, I, it, which is just that is an intellectually vapid comment. It, that makes perfect sense for David Goyer to say, doesn't it? I, I, Intellectually vapid? We, huh. we have we have a history that of not being true. incredibly impressed by true David Goyer. But yeah, seriously, sorry guys. Don't we tell just, me that Batman you know. versus Superman facing off is where you go when you have no other story. Like that's what started all this shit. Dark Knight Returns is I mean that is that not one of the major linchpin turning points, freaking high water marks of anything that has to do with comics? Would you describe it oh, as yeah. back against a wall at any capacity? <laughs> I don't know. It no. depends. It, no, it depends. Like, Dark Knight Returns revitalized Batman. So maybe. I think you just made his point for him. Not in the same manner, though. <laughs> like, it's where you go if you're scrambling. Not, not but not manner. like somebody. Like, Frank Miller went there proactively. He chased that thing down in the desert and said, I'm going to get you. Oh. He's describing it as they though it's be... like... Your your last will and testament, and it happened to get you out of a of the electric chair. Yeah, and to be to be fair to DC Comics, uh, Denny O'Neill had done 
a great amount of work in turning that character back around from the campy bullshit of the 60s. Yeah, no, he, he went back to the, uh, just, I don't know. The, the, the world's greatest detective angle. Oh. Uh, this guy actually works at night. Hey, what if we don't have him smile as much? But I've read a bunch of that, and he still calls Robin Chun. I know, I know. And it's still kind of cute. Just saying, guys. Anyway. <laughs> Gray and blue. So, Patty Jenkins, and blue. director of Wonder Woman, Patty Jenkins, uh, responded in tweets. Because that's how adults communicate respond. now. Yeah, I wish they just... God, please respond, like, in a blog or something, but whatever. I don't know. I like paragraphs, so hard personally, to... but okay. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Uh, she wrote, Whoa, uh, just saw this press about Wonder Woman having problems. Are they serious? This is some made-up BS right here. Made up. Produce a source, anyone. You can't because it's entirely false. Don't believe the hype, people. Someone's trying to spread some serious misinfo. Uh, isn't until you are intimately involved in these things that you realize how totally false these rumors can. Let me reassure you. Zero about the movie we are making has been called a mess by anyone in the know. Fact. Real lasso of truth. Time will tell that letter has to be false. Uh, the letter to be false soon enough. But lame something so transparent in its agenda gets traction. Uh, yes, but. Um, in an age when the, like, three out of the three DCEU movies has been kind of largely shit on, especially the last two, yeah. by critics. Yeah. You never uh, thought you'd be looking back at that... the Man of Steel reviews thinking, hmm. Right. I miss those days. Right. So, you know, when you look at that and you, okay, well, it's not that far-fetched to think that wonder woman might be a mess we love the suicide squad trailers i enjoyed the movie but those trailers promised me something different they did they did um so to to think about the wonder woman trailer you know it could be a mess who knows who knows who the hell knows no one knows except for the people doing it and they'll never admit it and you know i think it's funny absolutely not one person has come at me about my statement saying that everyone was a liar all these producers and directors and shit were liars. Not one person was like, you negative piece of shit. Nobody said that. Everyone yeah. was like, well, yeah, they're under contract. Right. Like, <laughs> We all know the score here, right? <laughs> yeah, their career is over if they come out before this thing is out and bashed. Or even after, while it's in the theater, they can't say anything. They're just like, well, I'm proud of the movie. The real story will come in like two years when... You know, we've forgotten about it, and then it'll be like, by the way, David Ayer sat down to talk about how much he was pissed off about Suicide Squad being a piece of shit. Right. Sat down I to talk about how like Roven held him against a wall one day and told him he should do his movie differently. Oh, yeah, there was a knife right. involved. And it was on Jared Leto's hand. Right. And for some reason, he was sharpening it on his penis. And we were like, what is happening? <laughs> and then somehow Roven still turned on him and took all his scenes. <laughs> Because so, that's yeah. how uh, he yeah, works. Uh, that's, anyway. No. I don't want to think these cats are liars. I don't know if Patty Jenkins is lying. Of course she's got to stand up for Wonder Woman. And I want Wonder Woman to be good. I want all this to be good. I'm just I, saying I, it might I, not be. I just cannot find it in my heart to blame her either way. Dude, she's working on it oh, right now. No. I want her to be optimistic about this Absolutely. film. I want her to go into work every day thinking this is going to be good, this is going to be good, this is going to be good. Yeah, and you know. The alternative is we get a shitty movie that she knew was going to be a shitty movie. Like, the the claims by this so-called ex-Warner Brothers employee are completely unsubstantiated. I cannot, like, I've heard people say, like, oh, this is bullshit. They outed this person as being a, uh, this report was taken from a Reddit post a few months ago. Mm -hmm. I can't find, I can't find that that's true. <laughs> it's just out of, <laughs> out of absolutely nowhere. 
So I'm reporting on it because it's been every damn where, and we'd be negligent not to say something about it. It is rough when you can't even find really... something in a Reddit post. Yeah, well, who wants to try to track down something in a Reddit I post admit, anyway? I admit as much. Just, just like trying to find substance in a haystack. Yeah. <laughs> now, like you've dropped something important into a trash can that you know you just put some really bad things into. <laughs> and there's no amount oh, of man. no amount of like tripling up three latex gloves that can make this this better. You're gonna have to close your eyes and reach in there and feel feel yeah. all of the trash. Like man, <laughs> I just dropped a golden earring into a whole barrel full of sexism and fart jokes. Yeah, <laughs> or just generally anyone who's ever had to fish their uh, phone out of a toilet at a dive bar. Oh. Oh, shut up. And you have to do it quickly. Oh. There's no time to think about it. You have to go in there. Because every quarter of a second you waste, your phone might be irretrievably done. Yeah. And no, you didn't get to flush yeah. before you actually dropped it. Of course you didn't. Oh, oh okay, man. Okay. We're done here. <laughs> no more, please. Ezra Miller. <laughs> this is not the first time Ezra Miller has said something like this, but it's still amazing, and I hope he's actually hinting at something he's heard about. But uh, Ezra Miller is talking about Grant Gustin, mm-hmm. who plays the TV Flash. And Ezra Miller says, He's a boss. I can't wait to see him, eye to eye, adrift in the Speed Force. Our, our, our eyes will lock, and in that moment, we will both know the truth. What truth? I dare not say. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of growing to love Ezra Miller during the process of these movies. <laughs> I was very much yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know what Ezra fast. Miller reminds me of? He's so excited though. Ezra, He's a puppy dog. I hear Ezra Ezra Miller says shit like this, and and I'm like, I suspect that he. I hope that he has, but I suspect no one has told him anything about anything. Like, they haven't told him that he's going to meet Grant Gustin at some point. But he's mentioned, like, doing, like, a multiverse thing with Grant Gustin somewhere along the line before. And when he talks about it, he reminds me of this cat I used to hang out with in college who smoked a ton of weed. (laughs) (laughs) You know that guy. (laughs) I'm not saying Ezra Miller smokes a ton of weed. I'm just saying he sounds like a cat I used to know who did. Right. Um, so they have done a, they've made a new Justice League logo and it's the same logo, but they kind of covered it in chrome, like this like metallic look to it. It's got like a metallic texture to it with like dents and whatnot in it. Um, and while I don't necessarily agree with, with the sentiments of this, Chris Wisdom, who's in the Giants Us team up network Mm -hmm. with us. What up, Chris? Uh, commented, hey, Chris, uh, commented on our Facebook page on this article and said, ah, yes, of course. When you're trying to fix the damage that has been done to your young cinematic universe, the single best way is to go with chromium variants. Cause you know, it worked out so well for the comic book market in the nineties. <laughs> True that. And, um, uh, you, you saw the stuff about the costume, the Henry Cavill picture of the black design. It seems incredibly relatable to me to, uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Yes, which a bunch of outlets are trying to say, like, oh, no, Superman's costume is going to be black now because Zack Snyder can't help himself but make him so gloomy. And I'm like, no, this is canon, that's, bitch. That's Shut the low-hanging fruit for the news, for oh the news cycle. I get it. But I, I would maybe submit that this isn't necessarily disappointing, the new Chrome logo, as uh, we're going to hang out tight with the book. Mm-hmm. He's going to come back. Hopefully won't have a mullet. <laughs> 
I agree with everyone I, who so far no, has gone, no. oh, please stop short of the mullet. I, I, I stand behind Okay. You. I don't know about the mullet, but... Um, it's kind of a mullet. Zack Snyder did say... Well, it depends on who drew him. Some I mean, people yeah, drew him yeah, with a mullet. Yeah, sure. Some people... I, he actually just had like a mane. Yeah, when you have like a uh, mane, that's one thing. Like Chris Hemsworth or Th- Thor is, is different. But like, it depends on how you draw the front of the head, really. And whether you've like bothered drawing in a couple of lines that say, this dude has right. long hair in the front, too. Not right. not business in the front. Not business in the right. front. Party all around. Now, look, I'll say, <laughs> I'll say this, though. I, I have Superman mullet action figures. I have long mane action figures. I, I Shit, man. I have electric blue and red Superman figures. So uh, all true. I'm kind of down. I'm kind of down either way. Whatever. I'm just hoping um, they pull... I, I want them to just pull a nod out of it. Just, yeah, we're going to go with the, the black costume. And I'd even be okay with it being a little bit of a, the costume helping him heal. Mm-hmm. Where, like, during the process of him regenerating himself, he's a little weak. Mm-hmm. And the costume is the only yeah. thing keeping him alive. And, like, that's why the costume's kind of decolored. Is it's, it's like, the, literally his armor is weak. It's having to, like, feed him energy to keep him going. And then as you go through yeah. the film, he starts coloring himself. Like it, it he's mm-hmm. he gets stronger and he comes back to the old red and blue. Something like that. I don't yeah. want him to stay black the know. entire film. I, I like it, yeah, I'd like to see red and blue by the end of Justice League One, if at all possible. For God's yeah. sake, by the end of Justice League Two. I, I mean Sure. Yeah, we all want no. happy, smiley, hopeful dude. <laughs> I, I I crave it. <laughs> you crave it? I crave it. Um <laughs> Now, I do remember a long time ago, a few months ago, uh, shortly after uh, BVS came out, Zack Snyder said, you know, I don't know. I seem to remember something in the myth about Superman coming back with longer hair. <laughs> so I think we're going to get long hair. I doubt it'll be mullet, but I'm sure I'm pretty sure we're going to get longer hair. Long hair's fine, though. And we're going to get word on that before. Like, there's no way... No one in London notices Henry Cavill having a wig on or having long grown his hair long. You know, you say no that, but people in time people in Times Square didn't notice Henry Cavill looking like Superman in front of billboards of Superman. I know that was pretty good evidence that the Clark Kent method might actually work. Yeah. Now, um, also, New Yorkers don't notice shit when they're walking on the street. They really don't. <laughs> they really freaking don't. <laughs> It's it's part of it's a survival mechanism. It really is. I have seen I have seen footage of uh, of women walking down the street with literally no pants on. Not one person glanced back. Not one fuck. Well, you know the streets of New York are like Walmart for us. Keep your head down. Do what you do. Keep your head Keep down. Keep your head down. Do what you do. Don't don't notice the guy with only one leg peeing on the bin. Right, right. Um, of course, just, that guy, that that fourteen year old, just stole an entire box. Of con- oh wait, see, he's going back for a second box of condoms. All right, I don't notice that. I don't know. I don't even know about that. I, I need dog food. I need dog food right five, now. Yeah, I don't care I about do not that. See, I I just want potato chips. I do not see the five hundred pound woman breastfeeding a chihuahua. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not happening. That's not happening. Not a concern of mine. Or the guy who just drank out of three different cartons of milk. I suppose trying to figure out if he could tell the difference between whole skim and 2%. Nope, nope. They were all goat. Not my problem. Anyway. <laughs> Not my problem at all. Oh. What I need is the other milk over here that I'm pretty sure he hadn't touched. Right. So, uh, did you see the thing where Will Arnett said that his Lego Batman could uh, take down Jared Leto in a fight? I mean, the actual Lego? Because he's like an inch and a half tall. <laughs> yeah. He says Lego Batman could beat Jared Leto. I mean, and Jared Leto or Jared Leto Joker? He said Jared Leto's Joker. Jared Leto's Joker? Okay. All right. I would yeah. love to see that fight. 
I would too. I, he said, uh, he said he just seems kind of scrawny, <laughs> kind of thin. <laughs> what is they the, asked Jared Let What they is the asked Jared YouTube Leto. series that does those those uh, those fights? Oh, um, they've done like Deadpool v uh, Batman and. Um, yes, yeah, like uh, I think it's, it's the Bat in the Sun Productions. I can't remember what the Superhero yeah. Showdown. There you go. Um, I, yeah. I remember Bat in the Sun. Um, I would yeah. love for those guys to take Will Arnett up on this and uh, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Well, now uh, they did ask. DC All Access was the one who who had that uh, interview with Will Arnett, and they asked Jared Leto. They said, "Hey, Will Arnett says that his Lego Batman could beat Joker. Your Joker. What do you say to that?" And Jared Leto's response was, "Anytime you want to meet the Joker in a dark alley, bring your Legos." <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually own any Legos, but I would not subject him to it. <clears throat> I do have a Lego somewhere, a Batman Lego. Um, all right, moving on. So Kevin Conroy didn't really like Batman v Superman as far as Batman killing. He says he thought Ben Affleck did a great job, but he said, uh, personally, I love the fact that Batman and the stories I've done and the way he's been rendered by Bruce Tim and Paul Dini, the people I've worked with most closely, he never kills anybody. He doesn't cross that line. Batman is not a killer. He puts them into Arkham Asylum, which is what is so brilliant about the Arkham games. Someone realized, my god, all these incredible villains are in the same institution. Let's get a video game in there. It's a brilliant idea, but the fact that Batman never kills anyone, I love that fact. In the most recent live-action movie, that seems to have been a line that was crossed, and it's not one I'm particularly comfortable with. I... I, I got a... Two points. Mm-hmm. One, um... I, I admit completely that it's almost an aesthetic choice, a level of comfort, but in defense of the movie's kill count, he didn't kill anyone who didn't shoot at him first. And I mean intent to kill shoot at him first. Uh-huh. Also, uh, he, Kevin Conroy references the games where we have gone, uh, we, we have joked many times about the fact that in those games he clearly kills people. Yeah, he negligently kills people. Like, like he just but, leaves people yeah. in a puddle of water unconscious and, you know, nature's going to take its course, dude. Yeah, and you know, you throw a razor sharp batarang at a dude's head. It doesn't bounce guy off. Might fall down. Doesn't bounce yeah. off. Guy falls down. Maybe you're too far away to see that close. Yeah. But I think he fell down because he stopped breathing. Right. <laughs> Did you ever see the? Uh, it was one of those uh, Pete Holmes bits. Patton Oswalt as the penguin. Yeah. Now where he gets him in the neck. Well, he, he just Batman just just like I don't kill, and he just like. Lobs a battering into like the middle of a dude's head. The yeah. dude dies. I thought it was the neck for some reason, but yeah, he's like, no, he's just sleeping. Uh, he did get somebody in the neck. Yeah, he's, he's just, like, he's Shh. just, just taking to sleep. Little guys, little guys, all tuckered out. Right. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I you know, and technically the bat vision isn't, I guess, lying because it says unconscious. But come on, mm-hmm. they're more than unconscious. Yeah, I mean, and to I be love fair, the that vision says deceased on several occasions when you know he wanders upon a corpse. So no mm-hmm. argument there either. Right. I love that Batman doesn't kill most of the time in the comics. Most of the time, um, I understand people don't like the like. Well, he used to kill in the comics argument, and people don't like. But look, if we are to believe what the writers, director, producers of BVS say. Uh, he's probably not going to do that again because he was going through a dark time and this was sort of a redemption thing for Batman. I think in the now, ultimate cut, know, it's described as a whole new kind of mean. Yeah. Um, there's a new kind of mean in him. Yeah. Uh, but 
he's angry and he's hunting. Is that the one? Yeah, that was yeah. But um, I I love that people are just ignoring every single Batman movie that came before and pointing to this one as like, oh no, he kills. Well, no shit. Just because he killed forty people instead of twenty people doesn't mean that he didn't kill before. Even the Adam West Batman kicked a dude after he already saw that hitting these people like made them dissipate. Mm-hmm. And that they weren't coming back. He just like, well, I'll just try one more just to make sure. Boing. I, look, hmm, antima- yeah. antimatter dispersion kills are not real kills. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Now, you can look up a kill count for anything on these. And, and there's a wonderful mm-hmm. set of YouTube videos that'll do it for you. Mm hmm. Um, by Mr. Sunday. By Mr. Sunday Movies. Is that it? I think yeah, that one's it. Yeah. So. Um, but um, the homicidal negligent kill count is, uh, that's probably redundant somehow, but anyway, uh, it's, it's noticeable, remarkable, even in a couple of these mm-hmm. and hell, I, I, I swear during the sort during the course of like the Nolan films, there are moments where you almost think that Batman caused as much damage as Superman did in Metropolis. Mm-hmm. If you pay attention. That one rooftop tumbler chase was just, oh man, millions of dollars, <laughs> millions of dollars. <laughs> yep. So, anyway, uh, we are moving on to television now. Ah, uh, back to my safety box. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but... It's the, it's the <laughs> is the television where your safety sense. box? Yeah. Okay. It's the place where uh, every now and then they show me the flash and all is well. David Mazaus, uh, the young Bruce Wayne on Gotham, wants Superboy to be on Gotham. He says, I think it'd be really cool to have a young Clark Kent on the show. I can't disagree, David. Nope. Can't at all. Uh then he says to have a 15-year-old Clark Kent. I know in Batman v Superman they played it like Metropolis and Gotham are twin cities, so it wouldn't be that hard to take a boat ride over for Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, and then IGN well, asks or says, "Well, I mean, he does Tyler have the geography Hecklin, wrong. Like he's yes, he's in Kansas absolutely. right now." <laughs> but absolutely, I was gonna say something too. Uh, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that would be really cool." Taking a boat a from bill. Kansas. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, David. Sorry, David. Um, I I agree with you in sentiment. You just, you were just getting, you were just excited. Yeah. Uh, And then IGN said uh, Tyler Hecklin just started playing Superman on Supergirl. Obviously, that's all the CW, a separate universe. But is there any sort of crossover you'd love to do? Look, they have Legends of Tomorrow, which is a time jumping show. Maybe they find Young Batman at some point. Uh, David says that would be amazing. I mean, it might be difficult to work out with the producers and all. Uh, but I would love it. Like I said, as a Batman fan, that would be awesome. Going back to the Superman, you know, Clark Kent as a teenager saves a busload of kids from drowning, right? It would just be really cool to start, to just start a scene in the GCPD and just pan, like start on a newspaper that says 15 year old boy in Metropolis, again, Metropolis saves busload of kids from drowning and then just pan up and have a regular scene that has nothing to do with it. Um, yeah, dude, Smallville. (laughs) I, he just, in spirit, I completely agree with him. He just wants to get the kids together. That sounds fantastic. No, what you do, what you do, is you do that. You know what's crazy? I don't even care. Like, he can do that. He can just do the, um. Right. If he wants to, he can have him come out of Metropolis. I don't care. It's Gotham. It's a, it's an else world. Yeah, it's Gotham. (laughs) Um. Poison Ivy aged like 30 years this year. Not 30 years, but yeah. What they do, what they should do, is just have an episode where Alfred and Bruce get lost out in Kansas. Oh, that'd just be cool. like that that epic short story where Bruce and I think what was it called when Clark met Bruce? Yeah, yeah, just do that. Have them hanging out. Yeah, 
just a a quick scene where like he meets some some kid that's kind of clearly got simpler simpler ideas of of right and wrong in his head, mm-hmm. and uh, they agree on like some of the basics like it like a quick little philosophy conversation. I'm I'm not we're not talking. Don't go into it too deep because it'll get weird. Like these are you mm-hmm. know, 13, 14 year old boys having a philosophical conversation. That's gonna get boring at some point. But just not a, to me. Just a quick back and forth <laughs> to describe the fact that like. Things are a little weird, but there's a black and white, and and they they both like it. And then like Bruce like takes a liking to the kid and like wants to shake his hand finally. And says, May I ask your name? You know, in, in his kind of regalish imperial kind of manner. My name's Clark. Mm-hmm. And, and like something that simple would just be huge. You yeah. know, the problem is it'd be like I would spend the rest of my time watching Gotham, waiting for that kid to come back. Right. He'd be I mean, another not, Jerome. You know, like when is Jerome getting back? I would love to see a Bruce meets Clark episode. But that's it. Like, I don't want, like, I don't want him to, like, wind up going off to, like, you know, his senior year in high school or whatever. And he gets in there and, like, his classmates are a young Hal Jordan and the uh, the foreign exchange student who no one can pin, pin down named Diana. Yeah. <clears throat> right. And, you know, Clark. Are like, oh, look, Clark's here. And uh, No, you don't want to do Gotham High or anything. but Yeah, I don't want to do Justice Babies. Yeah. <laughs> Justice League High. I think that's actually what you were writing accidentally right then. <clears throat> All right. So anyway, uh, apparently Alfred is going to get a love interest in this season of Gotham. Um, <clears throat> I know you're rooting for Leslie. It's not going to be Leslie. Uh, the EPs are saying Alfred finds finds love. He has a 16-year-old boy who, as these things happen, naturally kind of grows away from him. And suddenly someone enters his life who is connected. By the way, the first part of that paragraph kind of freaked me out a little bit, yeah, frightened it, me. It's... Glad I kept reading. It's um, it could be phrased differently. <laughs> Alfred finds love. He is a sixteen-year-old boy. Yeah. No, yeah, <laughs> that could have been phrased differently. Um, suddenly, someone enters his life who is connected to another character, and Alfred is left with the idea of the possibility of another life there, and it gives us a great storyline. Stevens also said that Leslie Tompkins is going to get a new love interest, which we already knew. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't say who, but he. Uh, teases them as a scion of a particular Gotham crime family. So I'm you know, probably Mar- Mario Falcone. Probably, yeah. Um, I mean, <clears throat> he's heading this way anyway, right? So Yeah. So also, John Stevens said, it is 100% our intention to bring Jerome back. That's still hedging, you We're, asshole. What? That I, I, I read that line and thought, that's still hedging. That's still hedging. He says, we're going to be playing it again this year and basically extending the idea of the cult of Jerome. We're building the architecture for him to come back. Yeah. yeah. Building the architecture for and 100% our intent are not the same as we're going to see Jerome this year. <laughs> yeah. He says, you'll have, you'll have these underground movements that have started to talk about Jerome and what he was represented and how he's going to come back, like in the days of John the Baptist, setting the stage that if there is a season four, if there is a season four, hopefully we'll bring that back in a much bigger way and you'll see these different versions of the Joker myth. I mean, I like that part, but they're right in the middle of the, um, you know, Indian Hill stuff right now, so... Mm-hmm. Are like the repercussions from it? Um, and am I remembering this wrong? By the way, didn't we see Jerome's body? Like clearly, see Jerome's body floating in a vat? Yeah, we did. So it's kind of left unclear. Maybe he got out of there before this whole thing happened. Maybe he didn't. I mean, it, he didn't go through mm-hmm. and talk about like uh, Strange didn't go around and discuss everyone that he was a room guy. We didn't get a laundry list or anything. Mm-hmm. So he might have made it out. Might have not. Mad Hatter apparently did. Um, right. Even then, it, everyone gets out with like this news story. 
And I wanted to think that mm-hmm. Jerome would get out with this, with either, I, I thought it would be fun if they did one of two things. One, feed him his own story about the uh, the maniacs and everything. Mm-hmm. Or two, try to try to reprogram completely, and Jerome's like the Joker esque personality is the part that takes over anyway and just rejects it entirely. No, 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 no. I remember who I was, and all of this is a joke. <laughs> um. So yeah, I would be down with that. Either one of those, I was happy with. But um, I don't know. As long as we're gonna get back to him at some point, that's at least something because that guy was phenomenal, just crushingly good. He was pretty good most of the time. Yeah. So the Television Critics Association, mm. <laughs> uh, John Stevens producers, John Stevens and Ken Woodruff, yeah, uh, were talking about Poison Ivy. Uh, the idea of Poison Ivy came along because one of the escapees from Indian Hill has the power. When he touches you, he takes away years of your life. He ages you immediately. So he touches Ivy early on, but he didn't hold on to her for very long. So she does a little bit of aging. So for us, we really wanted to play with the idea of transformation, version one of the character, version two. And so much of Ivy of the canon that we wanted to play, we had to make a little, make her a little older. I don't think we'll see any superpower stuff. I think that would be way further down the line, especially since this is an origin story show. Uh, this is from Maggie Jiha, who who is taking over uh, in the role. So I think it's going to be more about discovering how other people perceive her and what that means. A lot of people are focused on her sexuality. I think Ivy, in my opinion, doesn't really feel sexual about anybody. I think if she notices this person is attracted to me, finds me appealing in a sexual way, I'm going to use that to my benefit. It's more of a manipulative thing than anything. Yeah. That's going to be weird, though, which for is, me. Which is how Paul Dini has always described it, really. Well, sure. Uh, like, she... She's always been a little distant, uh, to put it mildly. And, um, I mean, hell, right. frankly, one of her most interesting relationships with, was with Harley. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, doesn't it sound like they're going to take, like, this 15-year-old girl and give her a 30-year-old hot body and, like, it's going to be, like, big but get kind of weird because it's Gotham and they're going to make it all sexualized? I don't know, man. I hope not. <laughs> but, yes, it does. I hope not. <laughs> but the fear is there. The fear is strong. Um, so they did, they released a, a picture, a first look at Benedict Samuel as the Mad Hatter. Did you see this thing? Yeah, I kind of liked him. You did? Yeah. I did not. Kind of did. It, I mean, it he had fit, the top hat, It like fit Gotham's overcoat. aesthetic. It, it, I don't know how else to describe that. It looked like it was Gotham's version of Mad Hatter. You know what he looked like to me? He said he had the top hat, the overcoat, the fob watch. He, he looked like Dave Grohl on Doctor Who. That's what it looked like to me. Oh, that's not bad. Or Slash on Laundry Day. <laughs> I think I've just probably ruined that character for you. <laughs> oh, man. God help um, you if there's okay. a scene with Mad Hatter where it rains, you're going to be thinking, the November rain. <laughs> so Gotham. Every time uh, he goes for his sister, <laughs> sweet child. <laughs> oh, uh, so Ken Woodruff, uh, executive producer of Gotham, says, we, have, we may have already seen Harley as a person. That you thought you had met and known for a long time. So we always reserve the right to do to sort of do that as well. Gee, I wonder who they could be talking oh, about. Who who could that possibly be? <laughs> Maybe the person they tried to a misdirect with last season? I don't know. Yeah. Now you know what? If they're gonna do that with it, I won't care until it's Leslie. Yeah. Give me a Leslie that dyes what? her hair blonde and goes all Harley. Let's do that. 
Wait, I'd like to give Miranda Barker a try, a try at that role. These producers on Gotham will not rest until I believe they're all a bunch of serrated dicks. <laughs> Take that one to the bank. Yeah. Um. So, Michael Imperiolo? I thought it was Imperioli. I don't know. Is it Imperioli? Imperioli? Is that uh, that's how okay. I remember it from uh, Imperioli? back in the day. Oh, I see. I have a typo here. It is Imperioli. Yeah, uh, from The Sopranos is going to be joining Lucifer uh, in the role of Uriel, uh, who's uh, another angel, uh, the middle brother between Lucifer and Amina Deal. Um, I'm just happy to see the cat. Huh? I'm just happy to see the guy. Cause, uh, oh, I, sure. The Sopranos ended poorly, in my opinion. But if mm. you just stopped after his episode, it ended well. Mm. Like, he's out a couple episodes before... Um, like, you don't see him anymore after... It's like three episodes were left, I think, when when uh, mm-hmm. he does his curtain call. And um, I'm not even apologizing for ruining Sopranos if you haven't seen it. I'm, I'm trying to ruin it. Please don't do that. Please don't make that journey. The ending is not worth it. It will scar you for life. Um, but yeah, his <laughs> ending, pretty great. Guy was a great actor, actually, the whole time. I, I enjoyed the hell out of him. Hmm. So yeah, it looks like he will uh, have some resentment towards Lucifer and Amina Deal. But he's going to pop in since their mom is going to be there. Of course. Um... Hmm. That's interesting. The three amigos of of Angel Wings. What? Oh, um, <laughs> I had some more Lucifer news somewhere. Ah, and now I'm not finding it. But anyway, um, it's not that deep. No. <laughs> no one was no one was drooling waiting for the next piece of Lucifer news. Right. Um, we'll find that later. So on to Supergirl. Kevin Smith says Andrew Kreisberg told me that the name of the episode I'm directing is Supergirl Lives. Isn't that nice? I'm gonna I'm gonna cry talking about this. The name of the script I wrote back in '96 was called Superman Lives, so that's nice. It is. It is a nice touch. Also, I don't know that we've said it on the show, but Kevin Smith is directing an episode of Supergirl. Yeah, that one kind of slipped by. Um, if, if we haven't said it, I, it wasn't on my radar. Yeah, there was so much news this week that I just like I, every news piece I was looking at. I was like, didn't we talk about this last week? <laughs> and I looked back at our, our listing of news, and I went, nope. Okay, right. Um, they, like the TCAs, the Television Critics Association happened and yeah, there was a whole thing. There was so so much news. So that's kind of what we're getting to here. Uh, Jenna Dewan, they asked if she was back, um, TV line and, um, Andrew Kreisberg says nothing is definitive, but we love Jenna and Lucy is obviously alive in our universe. I'm good with her not being a Lucy Lane though around. I kind of didn't need her character too much. I don't like her character that much most of the time. I had no real problems with her, but if we're talking about funding here, she she could be seen as superfluous. Yeah, and I felt like part of that problem was like they just kind of set her up to fail. She was like she was a save the cat through the entire thing. Yeah, where it was no, just I mean, like we, we knew, knew. <laughs> we knew so much about her when she stepped in. It was just like, look, here's a hurdle for Kara to get over in her quest to be with Jimmy. Yeah. Ugh. Here's so, some backstory for like Jimmy scramble. that we won't need afterward. They tried to scramble at the very end and make her, like, important, and I just didn't care. Well, they gave her, like, the role <laughs> over there, and I thought she did fine with the role over there. Uh, sure. Nothing against her. It's just sure they sure. didn't have a lot of room for her, really. Like, her right. character didn't have where uh, anywhere to go. 
Yeah. So Kreisberg is talking about their Superman, the Superman, uh, Supergirl Superman. Uh, he says, our Superman definitely fits within the world we've created. Uh, with any of these characters, there's an amalgamation of cherry picking that best fits from different eras, then throwing it into our own feelings. We've borrowed bits of everything. There's a little bit of Christopher Reeve in there. There's a little bit of the animated series. There's a moment that's very George Reeves. Uh, there's a little Super Friends, and there's even a little Lois and Clark. This is a Superman that's been doing it for 12 years. Generally speaking, it's always been the early, uh, whether it's Chris Reeve starting out, it's always been this sort of birth of Superman and how he's just finding his way. But this is a guy who's been a reporter for 12 years. He's been a Superman for 12 years, so he really knows what he's doing. That presents an interesting challenge for Kara, who feels like she's still trying to figure things out. One of the things she learns, as do many of us, is that the people who are seemingly making it look easy are having just as hard a time as everyone else. They just learn to fake it a little bit better. Hmm. Okay. I actually dig that. Now, yeah. Also, yeah. like all the things they just named, they're going to go, they really are. They're going for a very lighthearted take, uh, which is a headline I've seen over and over again this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... So, yeah, not that this is a surprise, but I've seen a couple of articles, and I posted one of them, uh, bringing up the Legion Flight Ring being a Supergirl. Yeah, we saw that last season. Mm -hmm. It has been confirmed that uh, that Mon-El is going to be the person in the in the Kryptonian pod. That was a cat from the Legions, uh, the Legionnaires. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and I had forgotten about this, or else I would have mentioned it earlier, but uh, I was doing a little doing a little reading there and to do totally they're they're saying maggie sawyer is part of the science police the science police are from the legion comics the science police are from the 31st century hmm. so what the hell <laughs> they're just gonna dig into those references and we're just gonna have to see what gets sorted out yeah i mean you know there's a lot to dig into and I'm not getting any younger. Sorry. <laughs> that neuron was particularly dusty. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it looks like there's going to be a big musical crossover between Supergirl and The Flash. And um, You know what annoyed me be, when I saw like that, though? What? Like, I, I didn't make a bet with anyone in particular. I just considered it an, uh, an honor-bound dollar bet that I lost to the universe. But I, I want 50 cents of that dollar back. Because mm -hmm. I, I swear there would be a uh, a Supergirl like singing scene somewhere in Supergirl Season 1. Because how could they possibly resist the urge to, to get her to sing? Beautiful voice. Well, you Beautiful specifically voice. said that they would like come, you, she would come to some sort of... I said karaoke uh, scene. Yeah, you said there was going to be a karaoke scene where she would like, I don't know, come to know herself better or some bullshit. I, I thought it'd be <laughs> like a, a coming reasonable. out party. I was certain. A little bit. And I was certain too. You suggested that it would be a thousand miles and I thought, <laughs> okay, that would definitely do it. Um, and and I was wrong. I was wrong. They didn't do the Supergirl or the, the Kara. It'd be a Kara scene. Um, singing at the karaoke thing and really like coming out of her shell a little bit, which I thought was just... Ugh. Yeah, but I figured it would be like the whole thing when Cara and James, like James, a little at least a bonding experience or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and none of that happened. But the fact that they doubled down and they're going to have her and Grant Gustin and apparently whoever the hell else is involved in this two part crossover. <laughs> yeah, I at least want my 50 cents back from the universe. All right. Um so Greg Berlandi said uh, there will be a musical crossover. There will be a paired episode between Supergirl and Flash during the back half of the year. Some of you know my personal love of musicals. Well, I do now. Uh, yeah. And actors who have been in them. We have a number of actors who could sing across all the shows, and they will be making very exciting appearances during the back half of the year. Um, he says the musical will be mostly 
non-original songs, and he is taking requests via his Twitter account. Oh. Um, apparently, um, Victor Garber has already started pitching. <laughs> I'll bet. Um, <laughs> I've only seen him sing one time, and it was in Eli Stone when I like wandered in while someone was watching the episode, but he did a fine job. Uh, Berlani apparently said that of all the time-traveling shows on right now, this is the only one where Garber will be singing Edelweiss to a bunch of Nazis. That's the spirit. <laughs> now, there's a, now, this isn't confirmed by any measure, but apparently I, the writer's room on The Flash is obsessed with Buffy. Like, that's not that's not a rumor. That part's true. <laughs> They've actually said that. Like, there's not, there's not an episode that comes up where they don't reference something on Buffy and, like, how they're trying maybe that's the the problem with arrow they don't have buffy fans on the staff no that's Um, that's like we again we already uh foreshadowed that we might be talking about this i suppose but um since it's come up mm -hmm. buffy's a well-structured show all right season one's not really structured at all it's monster of the week yeah Yeah. but once you get into it it's a very well-structured show um Mm -hmm. like it it seemed like we almost figured out the formula pretty early on and then perfected it by the end of it I, yeah, I mean, there's a lot the to take inspiration no from. Has. Yeah, so few people can do an episode that will uh, rip your guts out, followed immediately by an episode that's hilarious, and fewer people can do both of those in the same episode in the same ten minute span. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, ten minutes. That's that's way too much time. Two minutes. Like, You're right. You know, I've seen it done in one minute with that motherfucker. Yeah, I've like laughed my ass off. Sudden, something awful happens. I've got tears from oh no, no. Yeah, and then, like, like actual two shock. Two seconds later, I'm laughing again. Yeah, because someone else said something awesome. Yeah, and I was just like, well, oh, oh, a roller coaster of emotion. <laughs> I need, I need a lukewarm now, shower. Um, so apparently they're big fans over there. And Joss Whedon a few weeks ago was talking to Grant Gustin, said he was a huge fan of the Flash. So I'm all of this has that. come to to big rumors that uh, you know Joss Whedon they might be trying to get Joss Whedon to direct those episodes, and uh, and of course the 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 idea of Music Meister has already appeared. I thought of it as soon as they said Joss Whedon. I was like, <gasps> they didn't even say Joss Whedon. They said musical episode in Flareverse. And I went, okay, so Music Meister is going to show up. But with Joss Whedon, you're like, okay, so we're getting NPH. Played the music. Yeah, Neil Patrick Harris sang on the on Doctor Horrible with that Joss Whedon did, which is just NPH phenomenal. Was the voice of NPH was the voice of Music Meister on Batman: The Brave and the Bold? Oh, please! All the pieces are there. Like the it, All. the rumor became <laughs> Joss Whedon might direct the episode of this, and in a, a, a loud voice, exactly zero people cried out no. Right. Actually, we if you go to our Facebook page. <laughs> there's one guy on our Facebook page. Oh, it's like, there's one, no, there's one. If they do a music, if they do a musical episode, they're gonna look like pussies compared to Marvel. Well, that's and a I different point entirely. No I one, didn't no know one what to say. No one said Whedon shouldn't do it. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. And like, if anything, it sells the point. Like, I I read that and thought, I, I mean, uh. uh. Uh, I guess if you're going to do it, Supergirl and Flash, and then like a couple hours later, I was yeah. scrolling around again and said, Whedon might blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, now I want this episode. I want both of these episodes now. <laughs> Sold me. Yeah, that was one of those that, like, I, you know, I'm like, you're supposed to say something to every person who comments. And I'm like, mm, I have nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. I'm going to walk. I, I'm, I'm going to walk over here. I heard musical episode, and without ever thinking of Joss Whedon, went, yay! <laughs> 
So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, by the way, I found that Lucifer news. Oh. Oh, to the joy of the same exact sound of people objecting to Joss Whedon directing that episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, TV Line says um, that we will have hints of Maze's backstory in season two of Lucifer. Uh, but it's more about going uh, Maze going forward and having her figure out how to assimilate on Earth if she can. Uh, what we will dig into very much is her relationship with the fellas, Mom, uh, played by Trisha Helfer, uh, back when Mom was in hell and Maze was the chief enforcer. A lot of fun will be had with Mom being back on Earth and Maze maybe wanting to finish what she started. Hmm. Okay. That actually was kind of fun yeah. news. Actually, so, it, it, but yeah. it, it sticks with everything we've said about her. Like, mm-hmm. Maze is kind of great. Yeah. We're dubious about many of the other pieces of the show, but Maze is kind of great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, back to Supergirl. Of course. Uh, <laughs> Sharon Leal is going to play Miss Martian on Supergirl. Oh. Oh, yeah. They're doing Miss Martian, man. Thank and God. I love Sharon Leal. I haven't seen her in a lot of stuff. She's been in a bunch of stuff that other people have seen. <laughs> but I remember her from Boston Public. Huh. Like, she was, like, recently uh, Zuri Ellis on Grimm. Oh, She Lord. was uh, Nicole Richter on The Good Wife. But I know her as Marilyn Suter on Boston Public, man. She was uh, she was really good. Okay. Very good. You know, I just realized why I remember Trisha Helfer's face. It's Burn Notice. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I know her from Battlestar. I mean, it, her voice apparently I've run across a few times, like Green Lantern First Flight, mm-hmm. Rick and Morty episode, even. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Anyway. Uh, uh, there's several things I could tell you about Rick and Morty, and I'll just wait till after the show. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, Calista Flockhart's cat is pretty much gone. Um. Like we we said that she'll be there, she'll show up here and there, but yeah, it's it's a little more gone than we thought. Uh, he said, uh, Christberg said part of what's happening in the offices is addressing Kat's absence and who is stepping up to the plate to take her place. Callista is such a large presence of the show and such an important one. Taking her out and watching people try to fill her role is definitely part of the story. Uh, um, Supergirl. Okay. Now, you know what? Yeah. You know what's sad though. Um, it's really going to be hard. I mean, just because mm-hmm. re- they go through a huge amount of effort in that first season to insist that Cat Grant cannot be replaced by any anything, anyone, at any time. Uh-huh. So they kind of wrote themselves into a corner there, it seems like. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, they'll pull it off. We'll but... see. I dig that dude. I dig Snapper Car, man. I dig the dude that's playing him. You you dig away. I'll I'll see if I follow you. He's still got uh, he was... to get over the Snapper Car hump. Well, I mean, I can't, what's his name? Ian Gomez, maybe? That dude was great on Felicity. <laughs> He was easily the best part of that show. I did not so. make it anywhere near that far in Felicity. Anyway. I think he's from pretty much the first episode. He's like the bald dude who is her boss at the coffee shop. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's a, a chance I've seen him then, but it's long gone. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so Christberg also said, in the premiere, a threat is going to arise that's going to require Supergirl and Superman to team up. Blanny added, we had always hoped to end last year with him, but we wanted to have enough of a year to establish Supergirl as her own character. Uh, yeah. So, okay. hooray. That makes sense. Glad to have him. And I actually am glad they took the time to specifically establish her as a character. Without mm-hmm. him. Thank you. That that was the right Over call. to the Flash. 
they do say that uh, last season we saw Barry make the fateful decision to uh, travel back in time to save his mother from the reverse flash. This is Christberg talking. When he did so, he created an alternate timeline where his mother's alive. Uh, that's from a story from the comic books called Flashpoint. The Flash picks up with Barry living in the new version of events and having to deal with both the benefits that's produced and also the costs. We knew that. This is our confirmation via Christberg. Um, he says Flashberg will also affect the events in Arrow and in some capacity, Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, Gray Damon has been cast as Mirror Master. This is a cat that was on Aquarius. I don't know his work. Uh, apparently a lot of people are excited about it. That's what it seems like. Yeah, I didn't know him either. <laughs> um, Blank slate. Savitar is coming. Just to the happy mirror monsters there. Yeah, dude looks the part. He looks like a mirror yeah. monster. He does. Yeah. Uh, Savitar is coming. It looks like he's <laughs> going to be the season three big bad speedster because they got to have a speedster, I guess, in every season. Yeah. Um, but uh, now, like in the comics. Uh, his real name was unknown. He was a pilot for a third world nation uh, during the Cold War. He got his powers when his plane was struck by lightning. Um, as it reached a top speed, he or as it reached top speed, he became obsessed with speed. Uh, called himself Savitar after the Hindu god of motion. Um, anyway, wound up you know taking on the Flash. Of course, I doubt they'll go into the Cold War shit. <laughs> oh, the, what room do we have for that on the Flash? Yeah, like Zoom, they changed Zoom almost completely. Yeah. So I'm assuming Savitar is going to be like. Psh. Line up, buddy. <laughs> Prepare to have your backstory changed. Right. It's just. What? <laughs> You're not too um, fast for an eraser now, are you? No. Yeah, but um, his uh, his story, though, was pretty similar, apparently, to uh, to Zoom's. Like, he had, like, metahumans running around trying to kill Flash, one of whom was Lady Flash. So. Hmm. What up, Jesse? Ah, it doesn't have to be Jesse. Jesse and Lady Flash are different. Oh, I, I completely, yeah. But um, just seems convenient. Yeah, it does seem convenient. So apparently one of the one of the characters on one of the DC TV shows will be exploring their sexuality, said Berlani. He said, it is a significant character. We're not trying to be coy about it. The only reason is that we really want the audience to enjoy the character developments and of that storyline. Uh, you know, well, whatever. <laughs> I, I'm kind of, I, I, I don't even know who to guess. I I I yeah. sat there and tried to ponder about it, but I really I don't even know who to guess. I thought it could be Roy. That seems like an obvious guess, though. But then I thought, ah, it seems too obvious. I, I really I pedaled back from that. Like, ah. Plus they'd have to bring him in, and yeah. they'd be ringing him just for that, and it made him sound it the 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 press on this makes it sound like it's going to be like someone that they're not just going to bring in to do that. It sounded like no, this is somebody you've you've been hanging out with the right. whole time that didn't get like taken off for whole right. halves of the season. It's gonna be like it's gonna be Kara. It's she's gonna just gonna be like making out with James. They move into the bedroom. He like pulls out his pants. She's like, "Oh, why do I feel disappointed? I need to go now." Yeah. No, you're, you're trying it. <laughs> All right, I'm James and Win. Let's face it. That bromance has been budding this whole time. <laughs> I can't imagine it being Win. I just can't. I can't imagine it being James or Win. Like, because one of the drawbacks of these types of shows. One of the big complaints about these types of shows is that everyone has a freaking love interest. And I know they did it yeah. with, with Willow on Buffy and they're okay, she was with she she was with Oz and she liked Xander before and then she became a lesbian and for some reason after that she never had feelings for a man again. Okay. Because it just always seemed like Willow Legitimately was though, him, that just happens all the damn time. Just all of the damn time. <laughs> just all of the time. I've heard that. Yeah, sure. Um but so I guess In it the could whole be anyway. Spectrum if you go of by possibilities that. all the time. And I, I tried to think of like 
I, I really wasn't I wasn't I wasn't trying to like stereotype any particular character. I was trying to think like, no, who would this make sense for to do as a character? I couldn't come up with any damn thing. Yeah. I really couldn't. Yeah. It's gonna I, be a complete I surprise to me when they do this. <laughs> All right, go for it. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Felicity. Not if even a little like, bit. Not even a little bit. Yeah. And I started thinking about that when I was like as I follow Mark Guggenheim on Twitter and literally everything the man puts up, everything the man posts, like he's like, Hey, check out the new cover for agents of shield. And like every response to it is Elicity needs to be together. Elicity needs to be together. You will do this. Make Elicity be together. Like, and it's just like, no one even cares about anything else on his Twitter feed. They're saying at this point, so, just out of spite, he's going to be like, you know what? No, nope. Yeah. Out of spite. I'm going to go as untogether as I can get. Like, the Elicity shippers, like, just reading through, turned me against Elicity. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't have a dog in the fight. I didn't give a shit. You got to that point, finally. But now I kind of, now I kind of do. Yeah. I Now I really don't want them together. <laughs> it finally happened to you. Yep. So, yeah, I can't imagine who, who was going to be, um, it'd be kind of funny if it was Echo Kellum's character, if it was Mr. Terrific, and he just suddenly became straight. That would, that would make me laugh. <laughs> I'm coming out as straight. Yeah. <gasps> what? That's right. <laughs> anyway, you know what's sad is I just don't care. I don't care who it is. I I I'm curious because it's a plot twist of any kind, but whatever. It's it's any other kind of plot twist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So the rumors that uh, Batman and Batgirl are gonna be popping up on the show. Nah, it's not happening. Christberg said that would be that would be a neat trick if somebody could pull that off, but it's not happening. <laughs> is he just trying to? pose for the neat trick he's about to pull off by any chance no uh wendy miracle is talking about oliver getting political she says we do think of this season as going back to our roots when you come into the season oliver will still be out there fighting crime on his own and he has also taken up the mantle of the city's mayor well we know that we're going to be exploring him as a hero both in a very traditional sense and also as green arrow we're going to see a whole bunch of new recruits the city's going to have a new criminal as well as a new vigilante inspired by him the this vigilante is based on this on the version created by marv wolfman and george perez for the comics and will appear in the seventh episode of the fifth season see that's disappointing because it sounds like vigilante's only going to be in one episode vigilante could just only be in one episode and that'd be okay I kind of want him in more. I don't know. I the, I've still got Mad Dog played by a guy I like. Eh. So, eh, who cares? <laughs> I I they kind of the way they talked about it, like, oh, he's going to be like the DA or like the assistant DA or something. You know, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Moving on. Um, she also talked. Winnie Miracle also says uh, about the new fight scenes because uh, Stephen Amell's talked about the fight scenes and how they're awesome. She says, I could say it looks amazing. We're now part of this TV universe where you have Game of Thrones and the way that they deal with violence and how they do their fights. So it's our attempt to do something similar. It's bloody. You're in it. We're doing a lot more first person, not necessarily point of view action. Steven has been a huge proponent of doing that and it's going to feel real and in your face. Uh, he was the, I hope the big so, fan but I doubt of the, the one shots. Uh, yeah, I mean, they tried to kind of mimic Daredevil last year a little bit, and it just looked awful. I see. I disagreed. It, it, like there were parts of it that looked pretty great. It, it's like they, I think I said this last time. I just wanted them to try it more. Like it felt like it was the first yeah. step to them getting this really cool thing going. Mm-hmm. But admittedly, it looked really awkward at times. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Wendy also talks about Felicity in season five. She says she's in a very similar place to dig. She's really grappling with what happened in Haven rock consumed with that guilt. Oh, good. We, get Oh, we're going to address that, that now. Cool. Uh, she's broken up with Oliver. She's lost her company. And the one thing she has in this life is, uh, is the bunker. So she's doubled down on doing that until she gets past what happened in Haven rock. She's going to stay in that state of limbo. I'm kind of bored with that already. I don't even want to deal with that, but okay. But, but you have to deal with that. <clears throat> you kind of do. You just have but to Then again, you can look and say, hey, I had two choices. One killed millions. One killed thousands. Yeah, but they did There was a they gun in my neither. head. Like, they, they didn't just make it a, uh, a quick equation-like decision that, that she has no moral compunction for one way or the other. Nor did they make her like deal with the fact that she killed lots of people. Mm-hmm. It just got ignored in favor of, like, parent drama. Well, yes, but I'm saying she had, you know, she had to choose one. Kill millions or kill thousands. I mean, I... Where's the guilt? I completely understand. Um, you chose you chose the the less evil. You had you, you didn't have any other choice. I, I completely understand. But the, on screen, it feels like you have to have the character kind of deal with that. And it didn't... It just didn't seem dealt with in any capacity. It feels like you need to... But I wish you didn't have to, because it all sounds real boring to do. No, you can do it in, like, two <laughs> lines. You can have Thea come up to her and say, like, hey, so I heard what happened, and I, I just want right. you to know if you need to talk to anybody, because, I mean, that's a big deal. And then Felicity just turns to her and, and says exactly what you just said from first person and moves on with her life, and Thea kind of, okay, we're on. We're done. Yeah. Dealt with it. Yeah. What was that? Now, where you go lines? with that is you... You do have Felicity, like, kind of take on that detached approach um, because that's all you can do. That's how, the only way to really deal with something like that, I think, and still function. Yeah, just do the math and keep yeah, keep, keep chugging you, along. Yeah, but you pretty much spend that into Felicity becoming, like, M- Amanda Waller. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. That'd <laughs> be not great. They're not going to do that. No. Um, <clears throat> So, someone wrote into TV Line, and TV Line, as they do, uh, went to asking to see if they could un- uncover the truth behind the story. So, someone wrote into TV Line and said, Have you heard anything about any dead characters coming back because of the Flash's Flashpoint story? And TV Line says, Since it has been revealed that Oliver Queen is among the Arrow characters affected by this tweaked timeline, one must wonder... If perhaps Tommy Merlin is alive and well. (laughs) Apparently they reached out to Colin Donnell, who played uh, Tommy Merlin. And he said, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to about the possibility and how it could possibly happen. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Wow. That would make sense, though. For for one reason. Apparently Diggle and uh, Oliver's relationship is going to be off due to this, uh, Mm -hmm. this, this reworking. So... Like Ollie having a you know a best friend to rely on mm-hmm. might be good. It takes something like yeah, Flashpoint I mean, for me to think, oh yeah, there's a use for Tommy. Yeah, and um, you know it's it was one of those things where I've been waiting to see uh, how they're going to bring him back. Mm-hmm. I've been saying forever that, they, <laughs> that they're going to find some way to bring him. I back. know, I know. Not that I want it. I keep accusing you of wanting it, and uh, you keep insisting that no, 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 no. I just think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen precisely because I do not want it. That's a damn good reason to think something might happen. <laughs> Especially when I'm thinking about Arrow. Um, something I am kind of excited about, Dolph Lundgren has been cast on Arrow. Yeah, yeah, he has. He's going to be playing a cat we heard about in season four named Kovar. Uh, they're going to bring him in. He's going to be this big 
super badass guy, works for the Russian government. Um, he's not a friend of Oliver or the Bratva, they're saying. So um, I just, you know, I, I just really want him to say, you will lose. <laughs> you will lose. Come on. Come on, Rocky Four. I know. <laughs> and no, you should not get that. It's all I want. It's all I want, Guggenheim. Make it happen. Snap, snap, buddy. That's how he rolls. Right. So uh, everyone's saying that this is a confirmation that the the flashbacks won't go beyond season five. I kind of don't see that. Maybe it says that. I don't know. Maybe I'm not a. Maybe my reading comprehension is isn't up to snuff. But here's here's what he said. Guggenheim said, "We always said that Oliver had a five year journey when he was marooned on the island." This year, Oliver spends his time in the flashbacks in Russia. We know from various seeds we planted back in the pilot that he knows how to speak Russian. He became a Bratva captain. Sort of the flashback story in the first half of the year is going to involve Oliver's introduction into the Bratva. He's basically recruited into this crime organization, while at the same time in the present day, Oliver has recruits of his own. He's a trainee in the past, trainer in the present, and I think that will give the audience the connect up thematically between present in the past. See, to me, that doesn't sound anything like we're not going to do flashbacks anymore. It, it, does it just sound like they, they're trying to keep open the possibility in case they have a good idea? Yeah, it just sounds like they're saying, hey, it's got to connect up thematically this year. Yay! Yay! Okay, guys, the flashbacks were terrible for like the yeah. last year, really the last couple. Yeah. End it. I mean, it, the guy was on the island for five years. You're in season five. Mm-hmm. The math does not allow for any kind of hedging. I, I maintain they should do flash forwards in, in the next season. I like the idea of flash forwards. Um, they seem a bit complicated in certain cases, especially when you have something like Legends of Tomorrow in the wing. But yeah, I could I, I, I could definitely see myself enjoying them. But um, mm-hmm. man, come on! I feel that's like my, they've already started doing it. It is time. They did it. They did it last year with Oliver at the grave. Yeah, and those work. But those are just uh, those, those feel like more like quickie framing device kind of mm. flash forwards. That's all the flashbacks are. Really? Yeah, but they were informative to begin with. Now they're just kind of... Just there? Yeah, they're just plopped into the plot. Well, you, well, you know what's not there? Constantine. Constantine. Yeah. That's right. You're good. Greg Berlini says that they're not bringing Constantine back. Because it was a one-shot. Yeah. <laughs> he says, Constantine exists in a certain place in the DC world and universe. They're kind of internally examining what they want to do with the character next. Talking about DC. Uh, Phil Klimmer though, says that it would be a sin not to include Matt Ryan's Constantine as a character on Legends of Tomorrow, even though he's like, it won't be anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, you dicks. Although, oh, to be fair, man. this time last year they were still saying, well, we have no plans to... Bl-. And then, like, a month yeah. from now, I was like, all right, he's guaranteed in season five, or episode five. Yeah. All things are possible. Right, so, uh, so Legends is getting also, a 13 both of those order. are hedging, just to be sure. Yeah. Uh, Legends is getting a 13-episode order. They're not saying that they're not going to give another... Uh, that they're not going to, you know, take the option for the back nine. So, hooray, that means that the writers won't know how many episodes they have to work with. Um, but they said in his first season, Pedowitz, uh, or sorry, it, uh, didn't perform as well as it should have. Pedowitz said, that's, uh, Mark Pedowitz, CW president says, uh, legends did not perform as well in his first season, um, as it should have. Uh, he admitted that they made mistakes, but they've been fixed for season two. So, you know, okay. Mm. I am bummed that they don't actually know how many they have because that does, believe it or not, screw with the performance of the writing. It really does. Hugely, hugely. 
Especially on a show that has that much uh, landscape, I'll say, that they can cover. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, they can go anywhere they want. They just have to, like, pick a place and be there and, and tell a story. So mm-hmm. you don't want to get, like, in the last few episodes and be wondering about more episodes. All right. That's how you get, you know, some random ass, you know, bad guy coming back, like Vandal Savage. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, well, we've we've written the almost the entire thing. Well, what do we do? Oh, Vandal. Well, here we go again. He is but clearly anyway. in the room, present and ready to act. So right, <laughs> which wouldn't act do any good now because we're writing it, so it wouldn't actually show up anywhere for like a month or two. But um, anyway, so Lance Henriksen has been cast as Obsidian, and that's kind mm-hmm. of a crazy choice. But I'm down with it. Dig that cat. Uh, he was on Millennium. Uh, so that's what I know him from. <laughs> He's been at a whole bunch of stuff though over the years. He's seventy six years old, so they're like like shit. That's yeah. A- <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um That's that's a choice. Obsidian being the son of uh as I corrected myself last week, being the uh the son of Alan Scott, Green Lantern and Thorn. Um so yeah. And they released a, a an image of the new Vixen. Startlingly like the first fixing that we saw yeah <laughs> so eh, whatever they're introducing another uh animated thing tv show i guess or cwc show called freedom fighters the ray mm-hmm. and it's going to be in the arrow legends of tomorrow universe and uh produced by greg berlani and they are uh well here's what they had to say about it ray raymond ray Terrell was a reporter who discovered a group of government scientists working on a secret project turned light into a weapon of mass destruction. But before he could report on his findings, the project had exposed Ray to a genetic light bomb. The bomb failed to kill him and instead gifted Ray with light-based powers. With these abilities, Ray realized he could go beyond reporting on injustice. He could take action to help stop it, calling himself the Ray. He was recruited by Uncle Sam. <laughs> Dude, we're doing Uncle Sam? Yeah. And the Freedom I Fighters. Was, yeah. <laughs> To fight violence and oppression wherever it exists. The series will debut on the CW's digital channel in 2017, and network boss Mark Pedowitz told reporters at the Television Critics Association uh, Summer Press Tour uh, that it will likely result in the race showing up in one of the CW's live-action Arrowverse shows, just like Vixen. He says, without a question, that is the way we are intending to build these things out. But they have also said that he'll be gay. Yeah. That was like the first thing they said. They're like, he's gay! Like, you really buried gay. their lead on that one. <laughs> I say yeah. their lead because, again, what the fuck ever, man? Okay. Right. I'm, to me, like the, the most, uh, you, you, yeah, you pointed out the most uh, amazing piece of news in any of that. Uncle Sam? Like, Freedom Fighters? <laughs> For reals? For reals. With a Z? <laughs> With two Z's, sir. Shit. Two Z's on either side of a bat wieners, which is what we're about to pop into. There you go. So I'm out of news, but uh, I guess we should we should wrap up the news and kind of get into this giveaway stuff. Now, like I said at the top of the show, we have this new giveaway going on. If you go give us five-star rating and reviews on iTunes, you're going to be entered into this contest. Uh, we're going to randomly select someone out of ten. Every ten reviews... Uh, we'll select one person randomly with the help of uh, a generator, a random number generator, to uh It's to not just a prize. A, like a 10-sided die or anything. Right, yeah, no. There'll um, be computers involved. Right. So, um, 
the winner will get a uh, will get a trade paper pack or a Blu-ray or a DVD, fifteen dollars or less. Uh, we'll ship that out to you. Just you know, send us the link to DC on screen at gmail.com. But that's after we we do it. Now we've we got five uh, reviews this week. We actually got six, but uh, one of them was a was a one star review, and that made, it made me sad because he said that we had no integrity. And, uh, and that we were basically, uh, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said that, uh, he basically said that we had no integrity and we were just, uh, giving things positive reviews and man, you know, I, I say to this cat, give us another shot if you're still listening or message us at DC on screen at gmail.com. Uh, we, man, I, I hate it because we can't like really respond to it except for on the show on these iTunes reviews. But we've shit on a lot of DC properties on yeah, this show. Yeah, it's bad. I, I just like, go back and listen to <laughs> anything we've done for like God, the the overwhelming part of Arrow or Lucifer. Uh, that uh, right. that that feels like someone who maybe just tried us for Suicide Squad and yeah didn't like it at all, and we kind of liked it and. Uh, yeah, I felt bad about that. What are you gonna do? You know, I feel like I hate feeling like I've let somebody down. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. But anyway, um, so anyway, but in the, this case, uh, I feel like the movie let them down, and we were the uh, we were the flotsam and jetsam. <laughs> You'll always make me laugh by saying flotsam and jetsam. I do like that. Too. Anyway, I yeah I do. Um, so our first review, our first five star review, comes from G Tortas. Says great podcast. Love all the DC news. Awesome hearing DC news with real opinions that aren't blindly pro DC and doesn't buy into the whole DC versus Marvel BS. Worth a listen. Thank you very much. That's, yes, uh, I very much hate the DC versus Marvel bullshit. No, so thank you. Not our game. Um, we love the shit out of those movies. Yeah, and the shows and the Netflix shit. Like <laughs> we do. Name me you one of how... those products that I am not absolutely up to date on. Go ahead, name me. You know I've watched the Luke Cage trailers. I even watched the I mean, damn yeah. Iron Fist trailer that's basically nothing. <laughs> you know how hard it is for me to like not just grab Marvel news and just be like, and Iron Fist! Oh, wait, no. And did you see they're going to probably cast Cable with this guy that doesn't quite look right? Ghost Rider! Yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny that you say that, because I was talking to Chris White, our buddy, uh, and he's like, oh man, look at this guy. You know, he, doesn't, he doesn't quite do it, you know? I'm like, yeah, he doesn't look good. Well, you know who he should do, and he sends me a picture of another guy. I'm like, nah, he doesn't do it either. None of these people look like Cable. <laughs> anyway. We just need more Dolph Lundgrens in the world. <laughs> we do. <laughs> I told him. I was like, dude, you know who should play Cable? <laughs> Dolph Lundgrens. <laughs> oh. Anyway. <laughs> this is this is why we are friends. Mm-hmm. All right, so Havoc2 says, These guys are fun. Found the show through the Suicide Squad cast. Thanks, guys. And I'm happy I ended up checking them out. It's obvious from the get-go that they know what they're talking about, and there's no blind love or hate. I feel like everything gets a fair assessment. Dude, thank you. That's an awesome review. Yes. Uh, Number three, John Lynette. I'm assuming that's how you say that name. Uh, Relaxed podcast. That's what we were going for. (laughs) That includes all DC news. I am a big fan of this podcast. It may seem a bit slow at first. Well, we are. But yeah. David and Jason's commentary and banter kind of grows on you. Hmm. I, like a fungus. We're just trying to keep up. <laughs> That's it. There is, there is always an abundance He's of He's talking about like turning your head to the left too far and realizing a sloth has crept up the right side of your leg. That's what we are. <laughs> right. DC's least favorite and hopefully fair sloth. <laughs> 
Hiya! Um, there is always an abundance of episodes, especially during the TV season, as they review all DC TV shows. It's a much more re- relaxed podcast compared to other pod- DC podcasts. There is not an episode where I don't crack up laughing with these guys. Great job, and keep up the good work. Thank you, buddy. Awesome. Thank you, man. I'm 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 happy to to read such good things. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> it gives me a warm feeling. In, it it does it does in places I don't know. Four, <laughs> Chris Rim. A lot of fun. First off, if you don't like cursing with your comic-related news, this may not be the podcast for you. Lucky for me, I love it. True shit. These these guys are hilarious, informative, uncensored, and very fair towards what's right, wrong, and, quote, just okay with the movies we love, or love to hate, so much. Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, number five, Sir Dork. (laughs) Sir Dork 730. Awesome. Two great knowledgeable dudes who keep you up to date with everything going on with DC Comics representations in movies and on TV. I listen to you guys every week. Keep it up. Thank you for listening to us every week. Thank all of you cats for listening. Everybody involved there. Thank you so much. Even the ones who haven't written reviews yet. like Even the ones who hate us and keep listening to us because they have like some kind of sick need to be angry while they're listening to a podcast. Thank yeah. you, too. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to speak now to the, the other five people who are thinking, so one of us is going to get that free graphic novel? Thank you in advance for writing in your review. Yeah, of course. It's every ten people. It's that one out of every ten people, so we have to have five more reviews. That's what I'm saying. For the first giveaway. We gotta get we gotta so, go, those five guys have to hop in. Guys or girls obviously. Have to hop in and um you know, cast their cast their hook, cast their uh, their bait. Yeah. And you know, like I said, if you're in a foreign country, kinda just drop us a line. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, DC on screen at gmail dot com. That is an drop us a line and be obviously like, hey. unfair disadvantage and we apologize. It's an unfair disadvantage. Um, quite honestly, it's a pain in the ass to to try to figure out where the reviews are, are on uh, foreign iTunes stores. Um, I know how to do it. It's just very time-consuming. Um, like our buddy Eli Ophelders, dude, in like the Netherlands. Yeah. He just dropped us a line and said, hey, man, I did this over here. Check out the screenshot. And we were like, right on. Yeah. Cool. Um, also, that was for the art, great tattoo, for the art contest. Dude, that kid, man. Respect. I don't mean kid in a diminutive way, but that dude tattooed an Adam Hughes Harley Quinn on the inside of his thigh. That shit's tender. Respect. <laughs> even Adam Hughes like gave him a salute on Twitter, man. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was, yeah, that was balls out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are our reviews. Those are the reviews we got this week. Uh, I don't even think I said reviews the second time. I was re- 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 we'll get there because as always. Well, my lips are going numb. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's time you had a tall glass of water. I I needs my water. Well, I'm not gonna drink water. I'm gonna go get a diet coke. No, or sure, it's a diet know. coke. But you know, hey, tall, diet coke. You want to sponsor us? <laughs> tall glass of something that's got at least some water in it. Right. So. uh I think that wraps it up for this episode of, of DC on screen. Unless you've got something else, man. No, no, we've, we've been at this for a minute. <laughs> it is, it is time. Yeah. And you know, like my, that Star Trek, uh, interview I did was like two hours long. So I'm like into my fourth hour of, well into my fourth hour of podcasting this week. That's the spirit. So. You're trying to get warmed up Woo! for the fall. <laughs> 
I mean, four hours for us in the fall? Yeah. Come on, dude. That's like, you know. That's the... You just, you just like, coughed a little bit. You got your throat warmed up. That's it. You, you stretch your mm. legs. That's... Mm-hmm. We're, we're barely mm. pla- past, like, arrow at that point. <laughs> oh, another great reason you guys should all subscribe. Figure out what we're doing. Just every day is something new. Right. It's just so much to, to listen to. Don't you want to hear us, like, every day of your life? Like, 25 people, are not 25 droves, people I just exited a program and, like pulled their cars onto the side of the road to, to be able to concentrate long enough to unsubscribe right then. <laughs> because the idea of that was so horrible. And 150 people just punched right through their monitor. Right. <laughs> One guy just literally no. propelled himself from his own moving vehicle. And thousands just threw their, their iPhone out the window. Yeah. Just said, ah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Seven, $800, who cares? Nuts to that. Do that all you want, buddy. We're available on Android as well. Yes, we are. As well as Google Play, iTunes, DC on screen for every episode of DC on screen, as well as things that we cross over into. I throw those up too, just to let you guys know. We are proud members of the Giant Size Team Up Network, giantsizeteamup.com. Go check out our buddies, Steve West, he just had a birthday, and Jacob Raspberry at Screensplosion. And check out our buddy Scott Madison at the Next Time Podcast. And for shits and giggles, if you're as Trekkie, go check out uh, The Prime Direction with Sean Ray. I, I don't know what else to say. I love you all. Until next time, keep some damn DC on your screen. Mm-hmm.